This is strange. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. I'm not going to lie. This you is know you pr- pimping Mountain Dew? Jay. I get my 3%. You do the do? I've done the do. I don't I don't actively do the do. You don't do the do actively. Baja blast if you're at like Ugh. if you're at church. Dude, that's poisonous. That's it's like a g- Taco ugh. Bell is your church. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Was that time you had a good Taco Bell? Uh church, the yeah. drive home from Griffin and Howe like oh, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I've had Baja blast. No, nah, man. I don't do that. Can you only I, get Baja Blast I, at the Taco Bell? I'm not yeah. seven. No. You used to only be able to, but they sold it in cans for a little bit. I remember when I was at SIG, this lady Are you walked dying? in. <laughs> yeah, I like, I fucking breathed that in. Aspirated um, it. Yeah, exactly. Respirated another hair. <laughs> yeah, I aspirated something. <laughs> um, yeah, but when I was at SIG, this lady walked in with like two racks of Baja Blast in cans for herself, which... I saw it. It is fucking gross. So she was on a health kick. Yeah, yeah. She was. It was beach season. (laughs) She was working on it. The first sip of Baja Blast, you're like, "Mm, yeah. But then you take three, four more sips, and you got diabetes. 100. percent Yeah, Yeah, man. But it's like the cardinal rule. If you go to Taco Bell, you got to have Baja Blast. All right. It's like a law or something. All right. So this is strange. Yeah. That I'm sitting right here. Usually I'm sitting over there on the other side of this camera. It's got to feel way stranger for you than it does for. For um, me and Jay. Well, because I, I'm always here. I've been here f- since episode 28. I've mm-hmm. Every single episode that uh, has come out, I have been involved with. Well, every episode that's come out on video. Um, the uh, the podcast has been fantastic. I'm super happy with it. It's been growing, Jay tells me. Mm-hmm. I don't pay attention to any, any of the analytics or anything. Y- you know, I d- don't get hung up in that because, you know, it's probably like Instagram where all these wannabes can buy the followers. But I can tell you when we've got the people that contact me or text me every week when a podcast come out comes out and uh, who those people are, you know, and, and a lot of it is, I mean, it's the content, the, the quality of guests that we have on here. We're reaching the right people who we want to reach. And yeah. it doesn't have to be, you know... Anything other than that. Absolutely. We have a cult following. We have, like, there's people. But the cult is like uh, every group, if you made stuff that we make, that you would ever want to see your stuff, watches the podcast. And that is more than I could hope for. So that's incredible. We talked about it when we're either going to New Jersey or on our way back. But, like, just the, the caliber of people that we have on the podcast. And it ranges from veterans to guys in the gun directly in the gun industry to guys that are two way adjacent like like kilo and and tactical distributors whatever like there's a little bit of something for everyone but every single person that we've had on is a hitter in their in their area and yeah, I, th- I think people are learning from it it's not just an entertainment podcast well it's interesting even when we talk about having our buddy jose on yeah and his expen his we got to redo his since Tom <laughs> blew, the, blew, blew the video. I, I since fucked that one up. I uh, twenty eight yeah, fucked that one up. Um, I get one. I get one or two to fuck I, up. I was gonna say I was about to throw another one on you, but since you, <laughs> I'm said just one I'm or just two, a person, okay. Kevin. Just a fucking I'm di- I'm really? just a guy. Because a minute ago you were a multi hat god, and now here we are. I, just a person. I wear so, a couple hats. Yeah. Anyway, but even having Jose, where he can remember and tell stories from, you know, advanced armament. And kind of its heyday when he came in, where he went from his first job as stocking the shelves in a grocery store, then he comes to work for us. You know, that's what I love to see. He was like a young dude who wasn't jaded, was so freaking happy to be just working at a gun company 
And then he was there through all that stuff, you know, like the purchase and then where they went nuts and, you know, threw me out and just all the crazy shit that he, you know, that they did. And then once it kind of closed down, him going over to Bagar, just such an interesting story mm-hmm. from another perspective. You know, it doesn't always have to be the guy who's the command master chief of SEAL Team 6 or the head of the NRA or, or whatever it is. You know, and right. even Wayne Weber, what a great podcast that was. Um, but, you know, you can learn just from, like, Jose, his very first real job, and he has so many great stories, and it's yeah. history that a lot of people are interested in that I've forgotten most of that, honestly, because, you know, I wanted to probably. Yeah. That's been my favorite part about this whole experience, like this podcast, is all the people that, you know, we have on here. Like, we have such a broad spectrum of people that have come on, and, you know, I'm I'm not like a gun person, you know, and you, you, don't guys, say. you guys know that I'm not a gun guy. I'm an artist for hire. That's what I that was what I do. But the people that I've met and the stories I've heard, like I've learned so much from like so many people. It's it's just amazing. Like, you know, we have actual like real hard like warrior dudes who yeah. are somehow the nicest people you've ever met in your life. I mean, Bill Rapier. Holy crap. Yeah. What, what a what, what a, a gentleman. Wonderful. human. Yeah. Being. Yeah. And but all those guys, Lou Goodman, Tom, uh, Smith. Tom Smith. That's not his real name at all. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully a fake name. Um, But like all these guys, like, you know, you hear these stories and it's just fascinating. It's just like and I'm sitting over there on the other side of that camera like I'm. I'm just, you know, listening to these guys tell these crazy stories yeah. and like like a perspective that we have no idea about. And it's mm-hmm. just like, well, yeah, because you guys, you know, you get to hear before we even record where they tell right. stuff that they're not going to say on right. camera. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And just how crazy it is. And But then it's all, you know, they retire. They're here and they're normal dudes. You know, they like hunting their husbands, their fathers, you know, um, just doing normal stuff, you know taking kids to sporting activities, doing the thing, you know, just coming back to normal life. What a crazy transition that is. But they have the experience of using all this equipment and and oftentimes, you know, developing it. Then I I think that's an interesting perspective because now we see social media and we can see the Q haters and the, you know, 15 to 22-year-old kids that know everything. And, you know, I attract a lot of that. And, you know, I love that. That's fine. But then when you see these guys and where they're from and, you know, how long we've been friends with them and worked with them and things that we've done, whether it's, you know, just me and Ethan or it's Q or it's the old company and the respect there and that it's, you know, that's not something you're going to buy with an ad or buying followers on Instagram or, you know, whatever it is. Um, So, you know, and just like uh, Wayne Weber and his story in that podcast, how great that was, you know, unreal. We have yeah. to do a part two. Yeah, we got to do him a part. Him and Chris. For him sure. and Chris Barrett. Um, you know, and I love doing these too because a lot of it for me is, you know, I never had a historian. I don't, I take a lot of notes now, but I never did back then. You take it for granted because I was young with advanced armament. And whether it's talking to Wayne or Lou Goodman or, you know, Tom or whoever, I you know, John Clements, like I forget a lot of the things that we did. Mm-hmm. And they help to remind me, and it gets me excited and thinking about all the things that we actually did. And, you know, from my perspective, I don't know, it's probably like when I, I don't know, a while back I pulled up a video, a song on YouTube or whatever of Hours North. And it was from like 2017. You're like, don't listen to that. It was 2017. <laughs> I didn't even know how to sing. I didn't. I didn't. I sucked bad at 2017. But, you know, I mean, I think it's the thing with any, whether it's, you know, you know, 
any sort of art or creative process, whether it's music or, you know, like me with, with, with drawing and my art or, you know, firearm stuff where I've done design. When you look back, you're like, oh, God, I can't believe. But at the time, you know, uh, advanced armament, we earned everything on merit. You know, we didn't have, I didn't hire these guys when they were tired. We didn't have an end like that. Like everything we did was on merit. And I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, it's some of the stuff that we did back in the day when I was designing and engineering stuff. And, you know, and now I know the importance of actual engineering as a result of, you know, not other companies' failures. I like to point them out because they get so much hype behind them because, you know, appealing to, you know, the subreddit crowd. But, um, I pointed out because we have engineers for a reason because I used to be like that. Right. And I was doing that and winning those contracts. And then, you know, looking at it now and thinking, oh, man, I don't want to be judged on stuff I did 10 years ago or 15 or 20 years ago. I want to be judged on the stuff we're doing now and tomorrow. Yep. And, um, y- you know, but it's hard, whether it's a company or it's music or anything. Like, it's documented now. Like, I forget about all my stuff. I started When I started Advanced Armament, I had never even been on the internet. Hmm. So you think about that. Like you, you kids grew up with social media and all. And that's where I think about too. It's going to be interesting when, you know, in two years from now when Facebook and Instagram and all these social media platforms kill everything gun wise. Right. To me, it's the only marketing we do. So we'll host our own stuff and that'll be fine. I actually kind of look forward to it in this sense. Like, as an American, I hate it because it's bullshit and it's restricting freedom. But the other side is, I started my first company and we didn't have these things. And I don't know how all these young kids that know every fucking thing that have companies now are going to survive. Like, you you guys have had social media or whatever probably since the time you were born or old enough to know. No, we were like a... Internet, at least. Well, we're in a decent gray area where we... You're like 24. Yeah, well, I'm 26 and he's 27. But like oh. growing, I don't. I mean, I didn't have a a cell phone till I was in yeah. like high school, maybe. Yeah. So like, we we only got social media like. Oh, because you guys are in, from Maine. Starting in like no, <laughs> be, yeah. no, yeah. Right, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got social media starting in like high school. That's when it kind of really kicked off the yeah, way it is. I remember like MySpace in the later part yeah. of junior high, right before high school. So like, I remember. Th- it's starting. So we had an uh, area of we got the beginning of it. You were in high school like eight years ago. Yeah. Even so if even if Facebook and Instagram, which is the same thing, right. ultimately, right. Um, right. even if they kill, even if they kill the gun community online, it'll find a way. People have a passion. Well, it's just yeah. the things that you've already done before. Whether yeah. it's, I mean, even even if there's no print article, like there's video games, there's there's movies, there's word of mouth, there's everything. Like you know, but I look forward to these challenges because what I see a problem with social media now is, you know, and I, I guess to some degree it's the reason, you know, I can attract haters because I can, you know, whatever, be like the Bobby Knight, well, you guys probably don't know who that is, of our industry who's an Indiana basketball head coach that <laughs> choked, <laughs> choked the fuck out of a young smart ass in practice. Uh, that's kind of cool. But, um, yeah, he just always and like, post-game stuff and all that, ask him stupid questions, and he'd just call the reporters a fucking idiot. I mean, he just... But, um, you know, with our stuff, it, it's easy for all these kids that have never done a fucking thing to hear something from somebody else, like never use right. a product. And then, you know, not only do they have an equal voice, but they've never done anything. They don't, they have lots of time and 
they, you know, they're fucking kids. So their voice is actually really big because they can go all over the internet and spread shit. But when social media, when the when the left, when that when that uh, robot Zuckerman has his way and kills all the the <laughs> guns, Zuckerman. <laughs> Zuckerman. Um, That's his name. Yeah, Zuckerman. <laughs> what is his name? Zuckerberg. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> fucking idiot. Um, but w- when he kills it all. Then all these little kids are going to panic because, yeah. I mean, what are they going to do? Go to mom and dad like, I don't have a voice anymore. Yeah. Like, I got a voice. It's gone. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, those I don't guys, know. man. Fuck those guys. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Right. Like tactical distributors, Unpossible 15, gets you 15% off. But battle premiums. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's like that's just a cool company. It's just like Reptilia. You know, Reptilia, we just did the podcast with them. You know, and Eric, I hired him away from Magpul. He, me, him, and Ethan did the honey badger, all kinds of stuff. Like, I just love Eric and Nick and what they're doing, and I want to support them. Like, I don't know. What do they do? Give us mounts, and we give them guns? Like, it's probably not. It's just it's something I want to be associated with, and that's like tactical distributors. When you start taking money from them, and they make a ship right. product, I'll tell you what. If Reptilia makes a ship product, I'm going to call them out in a second. And, you know, because it's like I posted a thing the other day, their little cutie cup attachment for mm-hmm. MLock. You know, and, and that is uh, adopted by uh, a foreign ally for their yep. special forces. Like, I hate QD cups. I yep. hate QD sling uh, attachments, but they're still very popular. Right. If you have to have one, that's a cool one. Yeah. And you can tell Eric and Ethan work together. Ethan is about simplicity, lightweight, strong. Eric is an industrial designer, but a brilliant kid. So him working with Ethan was a great combination for me. That was a hell of a tag team. It was like it's like uh, Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors. Road Warriors. Because Eric understands like making things simple and beautiful, and Ethan was able to really educate Eric on designing for strength and you know mechanical engineering standpoint. And and Eric really influenced Ethan. Like the stuff that Ethan designed is always mechanically been incredible, but it's like he's colorblind to. But I don't know what you would say. But like the like aesthetics. To aesthetics. Yeah. Like it didn't even make sense to him. So it was like a much more difficult process for Ethan to learn to make things not hideous than it was for Eric to learn the mechanical stuff working with Ethan every right. day. So, you know, it, it's it's like our, our homies that make good stuff. Um, I don't want to take money from them. I like the relationship of, you know, Griffin and Hal. Yeah. You know, they're the homies. Mike Murphy, their facility is incredible. We just went there yeah, this insane. weekend, shot a competition. The people are great. The faci- You can't believe the facility going through how they make guns. It is the polar opposite of what we do, and it is one of the most inspiring gun companies to me right now because, I mean, historically, just, you know, when Mike was on here and you talk about they made guns for Dwight Eisenhower, Gary Cooper, Hemingway for his guns for Africa. Yeah. Um, and just the, you know, the history and then what they do, everything is made by hand like this weekend. So I bought one of the, a rifle that is almost exactly Hemingway's rifle from the early 1900s from his hunts in Africa, which was an 03 Springfield Sporterized custom stock, scope mount, the uh, iron sights that they put on it. They do everything to it. And. I got one, was able to purchase a used one that was traded back into them or sold back to them. It was in their pro shop there in New Jersey where we were at Griffin and Hale. Um, and they buy collections, a lot of 
collections from like wealthy guy, you know, estates when they died that have a lot of Griffin and Howe custom made guns. And I was able to get one of the vintage ones. And I dropped off an 03 Springfield right. that Nick Schaefer, one of our engineers, gave me. Shout out to Nick um, to make a brand new one, too. So we'll have, you know, and that'll take a year to build because they do everything by hand. Like the piece of wood that I picked is just a big block of wood. Right. And they rub it with water and they pull down until you find one that you like the grain. And it's got a price tag on it and you pick it and then, you know, they trace it. Like you pick the pattern that you want your stock to be and they trace it on there and then they just get to chiseling away. Like it's just so opposite of what we do. But, you know, these are companies I want to support more well, than I want to take ad money. Well, it's crazy that they've survived, too, because, like, you uh, people, th- we just had a conversation about it, but, like, we're, we market on social media. We use the current trends, and we, like, we just, we put ourselves out there. And Griffin and Howe, they've been around forever, but you don't see them in, you don't see them on Instagram all the time. You don't see them in popular culture the youtube videos all that stuff no. but they've survived and they've they've maintained their uh kind of their motto the whole time like they've yeah. stayed the same i, I want to promote it but i do, and it seems like a paid ad for me but just because i understand it's a completely handmade custom made thing and it's different than what we do but that's dying what yeah. they're doing is a dying thing and there are people around who have enough money to support it and it's just an interesting part of our industry that that I hope enough people are still into to support because you know to be a member at their farm and everything like I mean you guys saw how nice it was, it was like it's expensive and so the majority of their customers are like old rich dudes oh, and how do you get yeah so <laughs> yes how we, do you, we saw those dudes <laughs> how do you get a younger generation and I think it kind of used to be well you know they wouldn't have the money to do that but now there are the guys like their guns are five to thirty thousand dollars right. for one of their guns it is a it's a niche thing but it's also it's also authentic and yeah. even the younger guys yeah. you know even younger people you know respect authenticity and you yeah. know i you know i think there's a place for it for i mean sure. with anything i mean there is but i think the story has to be told number one you, they have a bound book where every gun they've ever built is in it so your name's in there with dwight eisenhower hemingway. ernest hemingway yeah. gary cooper and then there's also when you think about because I was talking to one of our engineers about it when we were there this weekend before we went through the shop where they build the guns. And he's just like, eh, duh. and it's, yeah, for a lot of modern things, the fix does stuff better than what they do. Understood. Mm-hmm. But I knew he, number one, is a machinist. He apprenticed as a machinist. And then he's one of our mechanical engineers. And I said, you are going to understand, like, we set up to design our stuff this way to where we don't have to do any hand fitting. But you need to appreciate this other side of things. And when we took him in there, he was blown away at the stuff they do, the attention to detail. And I said, think about it like this. So we were having this discussion the night before drinking beers. And he's like, I don't know why you care about it. I said, okay, you know, like if, if money were not an option, like I love the new Corvette, but I would never buy a Corvette. Just wouldn't. It's just like Savage makes good products. I'm not really going to probably buy them. And maybe that's me being stuck up or whatever it is. You like what you like. I like what I like. And you can't be proud to own a Savage when you go to hunting camp. And it's like the new Corvette is probably the best value in like a real sports car. Mm. And every time I see one, I think it's like a new McLaren for a second. And then I'm like, oh, it's the Corvette. Yeah. And, you know, I I love like vintage Corvettes and all. But they just ruined it for so long. Yeah. So like you're proud to have a Ferrari, an Aston Martin, 
you know, a Lamborghini, like any of these things, like a Corvette is like, yeah, you're retired, like FBI agent, <laughs> asshole neighbor. Yeah. He, he got one for retirement gift to himself. And I, I so it's, it's kind of, I think maybe sort of a similar thing. Like you can get the performance out of the new Corvette that you can get out of most any other car. Right. But you still got a Chevy. Yeah. Well, one thing that you said that, that kind of struck a chord with me was that the story needs to be told and it's I've been going through this weird thing where up until recently I never have really cared about that traditional style gun. Like my dad's got a model seventy that he loves all and he uses it all the time and like yeah. growing up I'm like, Oh yeah, that's cool, whatever but it's like not my I liked lever guns, whatever, but ever since I think a lot of it is like in the past year or so the past few trips that you've gone to Africa and come back and then told stories on and then having all the guys from the last Africa trip on to them telling about it and Danny talking about it, his dad's gun and like Jason talking about the, like he's a big model 70 guy and seeing Mike Murphy's gun. Like the more I'm like, Oh man, these are really cool. And like, I've, I've started look and like now I've, I'm trying to read all these books and stuff like that too. So it's like, I'm more interested in it and it's because the story is being told. The reason I wasn't interested in it before is just no one was talking about it. It wasn't as cool. Well, I think like a modern Model 70, who gives a shit? A pre-64 Model 70, that's like Americana. Right. But yeah, like I've got the gun that I always have hunted with around here is a 32 Winchester Special Model Model 94. Yeah, that's old. My grandfather gave it to me when I shot my first year. And like to me, I love lever guns. Like I have, I think they're the perfect gun ergonomically. I just think like they're... There's something about them. They come up perfect. Like you don't, you can put a little small little optic on them or you don't need them. And just, I think they're the perfect gun, especially growing up around here. But that's all I, I didn't, I never cared about model seventies, seven hundreds. I never cared about those, but yeah. as time goes on, like I also never cared about 30 odd six. I thought it was just stupid boomer or whatever. But now as time goes on, I'm like, man, it, it is, is really cool. It is boomer. And, um, the one I just bought is 30 odd six. And, and that was what we were going to build. And the one we dropped off, and it probably still will be, but you know that that's a it's Americana. Yeah, I mean, and then too, it's cool that it was. I mean, it, as you get older, you know, you feel differently about a lot of things, and and you will feel very differently when you're my age and you do now. But it's like that was a World War One gun, the O three Springfield, right. Right. World War Two, the O three, and the Garand. You know, that's like a rich American history, and and you know, we just Griffin and Hal, like Mike said. We just didn't have an awesome American gun company for hunting rifles at the time. Like right. World War One, World War Two, you know, Winchester started coming on. But that's you know, they took those O threes because guys were in World War One. They knew the gun, it was reliable, they were used to it, and they had them because they brought them back from the war, and it was sporterized it for a hunting purpose. And so it made a lot of sense. And I think just understanding that history just like I got a double rifle and I was looking at another one when I was at Griffin and Howe. And I'm sure I'll probably end up with five or six double rifles. Like, I don't even need one. Like, I probably want one. But over the course of my life, like, you laugh, but they do long-term storage for guys like wealthy people that live in New York that have, like, $10 million gun collections. And we got to walk through some of that. Like, there are guys with a 100 double rifles. Yeah. They may, ne- they may never even go to Africa. But, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, and I started, I was like, what the fuck? But then it's like, you know, Mike's like, Kevin, what you got in your collection? I'm like, oh, well, you know, like at one time I had a thousand machine guns. Right. A thousand machine guns. And I probably shot most of them like once or twice. A thousand machine guns. A thousand machine guns. No shit. No, no. shit. 
weigh yeah. a thousand machines. Yeah, because I mean, he could buy a pallet of uh, M- M10s, M11s, or whatever. Yeah, that's but, uh, insane. Yeah, and so I sold a lot of the collection to grow advanced armament in 07. Um, but for instance, I bought MG42s for three thousand dollars transferable ones. And, you know, at the time, I lived in a $89,000 house, and I drove a Nissan Stanza, and, you know, I made a million bucks a year. And <laughs> MG42s were three and $4,000. Yeah. So You make about a million bucks a year, <laughs> right, Jack? Close to it, yeah. Yeah, I figure you're close. Yeah. Yeah. So it's stupid. But over time, what I realized is it's burdensome. Like, it just the facility to accommodate all of those guns. Right. Um, I'm kind of bummed that. Jay and I didn't stick around and see this whole thing. But uh, you guys, yeah. Were when we first bored. got there, we walked through the oh the, like, store, and, and we we did a walkthrough, and like I saw a vest was like four hundred bucks, and I was like, ah, I'm probably oh some of the guns in that store were yeah you know quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. But this is like a different location right. on the property right. where they do long term storage, and then there's a facility where they build all the guns, and it just happens one of the guys came in, we were touring on Sunday, the, the main guy in the shop. And um, I think he's kind of like the shop manager, but he does the stocks by hand. And he had like a four end. He had several pieces up in his work area. And one was like a four end, and it was just the checkering and the design and then checker between. We're asking him, he's like, yeah, I have 19 hours in that four end. 19 hours of by hand, and it is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Right. They start with this most incredible piece of wood that it's hand fitted. See, I love that. I love like actual artistry yeah like yeah. i respect actual artistry and it's i think fantastic. that's the different you know the differentiator differentiator that you got to sure. make is like um you can say uh well it's like when somebody builds a a, a psw palmetto state arms that's psa a PSA yeah. gun and for 500 dollars, and then they'll paint it to look like the honey badger yeah it's like having a Fiero with a Ferrari body kit, my man. Um, that's cool. Like any gun to me, like I like guns. It's cool, but it's a different fucking thing. Yeah. You know, there is no free lunch. And if you want the stuff like we saw at Griffin and Hal, like it's like the only way you get it cheap is you have Chinese and Afghani children do it. Like that's the only way. You have yeah. to have slaves to do it. You can't <laughs> otherwise. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's the truth. It's yeah. like all that stuff and now biden's banning like all the soviet ammo right, and stuff yeah, and the, the soviets are one thing but it's like all of that sort of communist shit it's because it's made by slaves yeah like that's why it's cheap yeah. if you want handmade like great quality stuff you gonna pay for it yeah um there, no way around it and so i think if we look at part of it, it it's like i love firearms and the artistry of it is one thing and kind of the history and somebody handmade it and whether it's musical instruments or whether it's firearms or whether it's art. Like, you know, I've got some original art in the house that's expensive. And I've got some limited prints from original pieces that are also very expensive. But could I, you know, and it probably doesn't make sense to most people, but I have a great appreciation for that. But I could also go online and buy, like, posters of it that sort right. of look, that, you know, and for Right. 40 bucks and frame it and put it up yeah. and it looks cool but it, you know it's 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 just different you know it's not the same coming yeah. back to authenticity yeah some know, of it is supporting yeah. the artist right yeah absolutely the thing with griffin now too is that like when you go there you see all these super old and vintage guns or whatever but you you don't have to go get one of those like mike murphy's gun is not 
super old. Oh, so and it is badass. I think about that gun all the time. And it is like if you look at it from afar, it looks like a if you saw it from afar, you'd be like, Oh, it's like a seven hundred with a with a carbon barrel on it. And then you get up close and you're like, This thing is insane. I mean, just that stock, that stock was probably five or ten thousand yeah. dollars. I mean, it's a handmade stock, hand checkered, the butt plate and trap door, like that's all handmade. Yeah. Um and, and I get it. Some people don't appreciate it. And I think Griffin and Hal, just like Q or just like Hours North, it's not for everyone. Yeah. But there, there is, even if it's a niche, America's big enough, there's enough consumers, and they just need to be educated on it. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, you idiots, your music. Like, everybody that I show, show your music or videos to, like Rad, he sends me the video of him and his woman on the back porch in Mozambique. Like, Playing hours north, watching hippos and elephants go by. No, Red, in, Red yeah. loved Namibia. North. I've yeah. never, I haven't heard our, the song "High Water" so many times <laughs> in my life than driving through the the fucking plains of Africa. Yeah, we had to play it like two or three times a day. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, lots of times hearing hearing "High Water." Yeah. Oh man, but that's your song though. That is. Yeah, it's good. I love that song. Yeah. So yeah. does Rad. So does Kevin. Yeah. Maybe I, feel all right. I love it. Like whatever. I mean, it Thomas, is cool. you can be an asshole, whatever. It is cool <laughs> because, like, growing up, us playing it or whatever, and not even just Hours North, but any music that any of us were playing, like, yeah, you have the your close circle of people being like, oh, yeah, I like that. It's really cool. But now we're at the point where people that we don't know tell us, and, like, that's – people. we just talked about it. We so released, cool, We man. released that video and that new song recently, and, like, people that – Was it Coastlines? Coastlines. Oh, I like the video. Yeah, it's I cool. told you I had the one critique. Otherwise – Yep fucking great man I'll, I'll put it up at the end of this podcast oh, that, oh yeah, that's be cool. cool send it off but yeah people that either i haven't spoken to in 10 12 years not for any reason or whatever we just kind of cr- lost ways hitting me up being like this is incredible like blah, blah, blah. like it's insane it's it's really weird it but is it's cool it's, it is cool you know and it's there's a place for it i guess i guess that's kind of what we were getting at with you know the whole the griffin how thing and you know bringing it into hours north but there's like it's not for everybody but there's a place for it in the industry. Maybe niche, niche, yeah. niche. You can say either. It's both. Yeah. Okay. Either one. Um, but there's a place for it, and you know, I think it's important. Well, I, I think it, what'll be interesting is, in, you know, like, I mean, I told you guys. I hope you guys get rich and famous, and I'm just like the tour manager or whatever. <laughs> um, Our hype man. Oh yeah, the hype man would be better because <laughs> that's, that's like less like. Yeah, less yeah. responsibility. You're less responsibility, Mofo. You're our yeah. flavor flave. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He's got some verses. Nine one one is a joke, man. <laughs> so um I hope that for you guys. And, and but it'll be interesting to see if that can happen for you guys, then all of a sudden it's gonna be, Oh, what are you guys like Kings of Leon? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You'll you'll get like the young idiots that think they know everything about yeah, music probably. being like, Oh yeah. And you know, I mean, what can you guys do in music that's not been done to some degree that you can't tie it to? Literally, like, literally nothing. Yeah, it's the same thing with hard. guns, and that's where I'm always like, everybody right. says, you know, but, you know, one part of it is it's like they think they hurt my feelings. Like, I was just born mad. Like, there is just no excuse, you know? And then I was just, you know, and it was just, yeah, I just don't give a fuck. Mm. But people don't really get it but they think they get to me and i'm like oh i realize at some point you know it's like facebook getting in trouble for their algorithms and what they understand is anything that like induces controversy they get a hundred times the engagement on and that directly correlates to the advertising right 
And so, you know, it's like today we had a call with some TV show. A guy wants us to be on there. And at the end, he wants us to, like, pay for the spot. And it's like, yo, homie, that's cool. But we don't pay for that. We yeah. don't need to. Yeah. And I'm sure it would be a cool thing to do. But, like, we don't need it. And if the, you know, for me, if we can get 10 times the coverage and the result is, you know, 10% of the people think I'm a huge asshole. Don't care. Yeah. Don't care. It's Publicity, promotion. Yeah. But it, it will be interesting to see if you guys uh, can, you know, like do everything your wildest dreams. It'll be interesting to see how you can be the nicest guys in the world and it's still you're going to get these assholes. Yeah. It'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm guilty whatever. of it. I mean, I, there's dudes that are probably so, like I rip on Ed Sheeran all the time. He's probably the nicest guy in the world, but he's a thief and he sucks. So. <laughs> I mean, that's maybe yeah. like, I, I don't know. But, you know, like when we say he sucks, it's like your taste. No, he doesn't suck. He doesn't suck. He's a talented dude, but he's a thief. See, I, I don't know either one of those, <laughs> but I would say there's probably not a lot new in music. So no, I, I don't. And I no, admittedly know shit about music. Yeah. But also, it's I remember one time this was like 20 years ago when I was, you know, younger my buddy picked me up. We go into the club, and he had his like MP3 or whatever he had at the time. He was all like high tech, so I was probably still rocking CDs. And he his playlist and Britney Spears came on. You know, like hit me, baby, one more time. And I was like, jam. And I yeah, and I was well at the time. Though you know, now twenty years has passed. So yeah, yeah, it's okay. But at the time, I was like, what the hell? And and I actually still quote him today because I remember he's like. Yeah, like I fucking bought the 20 million albums. <laughs> and, you know, his point was, say whatever the fuck you want. She sold like 20 million albums. Yeah. So clearly, um, I'm not the only one that likes her. So yeah. shut up. Yeah. Like you're jealous. That's yeah. true. I, to each his own. Yeah. I have no interest in being like famous or anything like that. I just want to create music, you know. I just want to play shows, create music with the, with the team. I got no, I got no aspirations to sell you know 20 you, million records. I don't know. It doesn't. I mean, the thing is, if you do something that you know for us at Q if it's useful and it's better than other stuff or for you guys if you touch people they enjoy listening to it it's just a side effect right. like you're gonna get it like I didn't set out to like make millions of dollars either like I set out not to work in a fucking factory right. like that was my goal yeah um, and that's the idea about like this podcast right is like you know I mean I hope that it gets like huge like you know like other awesome podcasts that we all listen to but it's yeah. like it's like our main goal here is just to educate the people that want to tune in. You know what I mean? We're not in it for like any sort of money or anything like that. Any monetary value. We are here to educate our consumers um, and, you know, make sure that they're getting the correct information, whether they like it or not. Yeah. So you don't have to get it from those 15 to 22 year olds who heard it from someone. You can hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Oh, like like the genius about the HK stocks don't. Oh, yeah. Go and stuff. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, there's. You know, and you don't have to believe me. Like, I'm not going to get on here and lie about what I've done or what we've done or what I've seen. But if you want another source, okay, here's the president of H&K. Right. Yeah, exactly. Let, let him tell exactly. you. Yeah. Like, your other anonymous 22-year-old friend yeah. with his private account, yeah. you know, named after his dog, he's the expert. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, it's it's e easy to be bold when no one knows who you are and you got nothing to lose. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So those kids should go out and do something rather than just talk like talking shit. Totally okay, I love it. But you know, you got to be able to back it up. Yeah. Like do something with your life. Yeah. Well, 
But with the rest, with the rest of that being said, you know, I think it's like our Instagram or like the company. It just grows organically. We get the proper engagement. Like we don't need the most. I want to continue to get the proper, and we're going to do that by continuing to have these podcasts that you know provide actual quality information where we're not like asking you to buy stuff or right. you know buy stuff from people right. that give us money. Authentic. Authentic. Yeah. And that's the thing that like I think it's cool because it rings true. I think it uh, probably you probably think about it here and there, maybe not, but th- our band like Tommy just said it's not a, like we just want to play music that we like and do whatever. And Q's the same way where it's just we want to put out products that we like and that we mm-hmm. believe in and that we think are good and that if people like it as well, awesome. Yes. And but that's that's what it's about is we just want to do what we want to do and yeah. and do it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And you know what? I want to share these experiences because the more that goes on, like I've taken a lot of my life for granted, but I know like, like me or not, most people that are into guns would probably trade with me. Like I've been very fortunate. You know, part of that is a continuing education for me, whether it's Griffin and Howe or it's going hunting in Africa, which we going to talk about. That's, yeah. We got to get into that. Like I'm so like crusader, so I'm building my own lodge over there now and this is not something that is going to make me any money i want them to be successful because i've been on a lot of hunts and like i've talked about before it's just different there it's like going with your buddies and um some people require you know like some of those people at griffin and how are you really vaping on the (laughs) podcast no you're so lame which that camera's on you right now that no no so that's gonna that's gonna lead me to my first my first story. Which if I had my glasses on, yeah, it's right here at the Get top of the star. I, I can see. It. I, I wrote. I wrote. Well, I don't. You know, you're gonna be struggling with those notes the whole time. Oh, they're, they're in my pocket. I got so. But anyway, Crusader. I mean, for me, it's a life changing experience. The first time I went with the homies. Don't don't be creeping. <laughs> so. Um, and I want to share it. I want other people to go because I think what Crusader's doing, just like Griffin and Hal, it needs to be marketed and people need to know. Um, and go do it. Like, don't wait till you're old. You can go on a hunt at Crusader Safaris cheaper than you can go on a good whitetail hunt or a mule deer hunt in America, mm. and including your flight. And it is just a wonderful, wonderful experience that you should support. Um, with that being said, you know uh, – because I'll be there hunting a lion. Yeah. Yeah, in Mozambique. Yeah, you're going but to get a lion. The lion. So, yo, that's, that's a that's a real thing right there. Yeah. Brad was telling us about hunting lions. Death in the long grass. What, what's the what's the range? Thirty to fifty yards? I don't know. For a long oh. I don't know. And you're like in like a blind, like on the ground. Yeah, or so something? in Mozambique, so there's different ways to hunt lions, like you can track them yeah. and, and hunt them, but you can do that in parts of Africa, but not in other parts because of the terrain. Mm. You know, like in sandy areas, it's very easy to, t- well, it's easier to track right. them. Um, then, then in other areas, like we'll be in Mozambique, it's very difficult because you have um, different soil and you have a lot of grass and stuff, so it's harder to track them, so you bait them. But I'll probably be inside 50 yards. Yeah. And We're and that's scary. Like the buffalo, to, well, we haven't even talked about the buffalo. We'll, we'll talk in, about we'll the get buffalo story. But I didn't know how scary the buffalo hunt was or could be. But, like, you don't have to tell me hunting a 500-pound cat is scary. Like, the little part of my brain knows 
that's terrifying. Well, yeah. Rad was telling us that, you know, because Rad's like a tough dude, you know, and he's yeah. seen like a lot of shit and he's not really scared of animals or anything. He's not scared of lions either. But he says that when, you know, you're waiting because like you bait the lions uh, sometimes. Um, and when you do that type of hunt where you bait the lions and you hear them coming in, they start to roar mm. and the roar gets closer and closer. Um, and he says, you think you're tough yeah, until yeah. you hear that roar like 70 yards away yeah. because I guess it's loud as shit and it'll make a grown man pucker up his butthole a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know in my hunting at night, predator hunting in West Texas, so if a lion weighs 500 pounds, you know, like a mountain lion in America will be 70 to 200 pounds max. And we had a mountain lion about 50 to 100 yards from us roar. I don't even know if it's called a roar with them. I don't actually know, but it screamed at us. It was the most horrifying thing I've ever heard. I was terrified. Yeah. I can't even imagine hearing like an elk bugle close to me in the middle of the woods. Oh, that's and cool. then Just because like it, it seems like it would be so earth shattering. But then to know like, oh, this obligate carnivore, this pure killer is also doing that near me. I'd be. Yeah. 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 You know, and we'll get into my, the buffalo hunt that Thomas and I did in a minute with eight six. But. That, to me, is like a buffalo. Like, when you look at it, it looks like, you know, kind of like big cattle or a big bull, yeah, big which, slow, you know, I, well, oh, slow. I mean, I look slow. I Yeah, but, you know, I had um, cattle at my farm in Georgia and it had some bulls, and the bull was not to be trifled with. But it he wasn't he wasn't after me. It was just like, no. like you know, we had to go. We had one main bull, and when you needed to go you know, uh, worm him or put some stuff on him for flies or what, whenever you had to put your hands on him, he wasn't having it. And you just had to be very careful or you could get hurt. But you know, with cats, like they're, they're so fast, they're so strong, they're so vicious, they'll eat you. Um, to me, it's just a different, different thing. So, so the lion hunt, so I'll go on both kinds of hunts. This one is, um, in Mozambique. We're going to bait, and we have to build our own blind, so we'll be probably within 50 yards of him. Are you uh, you nervous? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to my face. Pro- maybe not right. Probably not right uh, now. I, I, I don't. I, I, no. That's one of the, I, I, that's I don't one know. of the big it's, five, it's, right? It's adrenal- yeah, so, so it's adrenaline, and it's going to be exciting. I think I will be much more nervous on a on a stalk of a lion than this type of hunt, but I'm sure it's going to be horrifying when it happens. But I don't I don't think I get really scared so far. But I've not hunted a ton of things that would really like eat me. Well, your philosophy is that you have a gun. I have a gun. Yeah, yeah. and so um, so uh, do you know what round you're going to be using? Yeah, we're going to shoot him with eight six. Eight six. Yeah. I'll do it. Is that overkill or because no. they're soft? You don't really. Yeah, need. it's a soft. It's a soft hide, so you can shoot them with aught six or two seventy or three hundred one mag. So it's it's not like trying to kill a buffalo or a hippo or something. Um, but I'm going to use eight six because I want a lot because I'm I'm taking two guns, my double rifle. Now I want to shoot one. I want to be the first person to shoot one with eight six, and I also want to see how he'll react. Like, I've shot one buffalo now with 8.6, and I'm going to shoot a buffalo on this, uh, another free-range buffalo in Mozambique. But I'm going to use my double rifle what for that. What is your double rifle? 
my double rifle. Okay. So it's a WJ Jeffrey. So it's a London um, double, and it's about a hundred years old. And it's a 450 400, so it's kind of the predecessor to 375. So it's not a huge, but it's a it's a big bullet. It's a four. I think I'm probably going to shoot a 400 or 405 grain, um, going probably about 22 2300 feet a second. Um, and I want to try that, y- you know, because one thing that's interesting about the double, the double originally was cool because you have two shots fast, and there weren't semi autos really right. available then. And especially with these big cartridges, but you know, you got two shots, but then you got to reload and that's where stuff can go wrong. Or if something goes really wrong, you know, your pH hopefully has a gun, but in this lion hunt, we'll, we'll set up, we'll be in a blind. I'll have my gun, Rat'll have his. I just kind of view at that point, if we both fail with our gun and we get a lion in the blind kills, like you have no reason to be out there in the first place. It was just kind of meant to, it was kind of meant to be. Um, I think, like stalking one and you know when you stalk them like they see you before you shoot them most of the time and you are stupid ignorant to think that they don't yeah yeah well and the fact that they can cover ground so quickly like so much can go wrong doing that so this i'll probably shoot him he'll never see me Mm. like hopefully that's the Mm. that's that's the way but if it goes wrong you know it can go wrong like and you can die doing this hunt like it's Hopefully it's not likely, but it could happen, you know, because our blind is just going to be made of like twigs and stuff. Are like, you on the ground? Or you yeah. Need, yeah. So we're on the ground. Um, so so we'll see. But I'm very excited. And I, I kind of rushed the lion hunt because of all the, the politics and stuff. And then after that, Cecil, the lion thing was on the news a couple years ago and people freaking out about shooting lions. They're just like ignorant to this whole process. And and I'm afraid, and, and this is a, like a very, it's a very expensive hunt because it's land that adjoins Kruger too. So like where Cecil was killed, what people don't understand is Kruger doesn't have a fence all the way around it. They have sections of fence and they don't manage the population very well. For instance, if you kill a 10 year old lion, that is incredible in the wild. Like they typically live to like eight mm-hmm. to 10, maybe in the wild. And so you want to kill a six year old lion or older. Well, Cecil was 14 years old. Like, he would have died of old age within a year. Yeah. And he just got pushed out of Kruger by younger lions because they're not killing enough of them to manage populations. And so they go out onto adjacent properties that are all hunting properties. And, like, the guy who shot Cecil, like, he didn't know. Like, Cecil was only named by, like, one tour guide in Kruger. It's not like he was actually a famous lion. Yeah. But, you know, then they shot him. Like, he's this huge lion. They're like, holy shit, shoots the lion. He's got, like, you know, no teeth hardly. He's They age him at 14, which is incredibly old. That's like a human living to, like, 110 years old. And he would have died anyway. He wasn't in Kruger. They weren't hunting that lion. He just got pushed out. It's just Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. You know, he no longer was the baddest lion in town. And he got pushed out by younger ones, and he decided it was easier for him to go to other property. Mm-hmm. Well, and so they, but that area has the biggest lions in the world. Yeah. And so that's pretty exciting. They're bigger than the other lions in Africa. And then, um, Kudu as well. So the, the property where I'll be, um, it's right there where the largest Kudu ever was found. It was found dead. So it just like was eaten by something or died of old age or whatever. But you know, like a monster, awesome trophy Kudu is 55 inches. And this was 73 inches. 
So, you know, when you start talking about something being, what, 18, 30% bigger than like an incredible trophy, like it's unbelievable. So I have an opportunity to, you know, I'll, I'll likely kill the biggest kudu that I'll ever, ever see or have an opportunity to shoot. Mm. So that's pretty exciting. So I'm going to shoot buffalo, lion, kudu. I'm going to take eight six in my double rifle. Um, you know, in the double rifles, I got into it like learning about Africa and history and why they existed. And they're incredibly expensive, but a double rifle is so hard to make. You know, you have to make the barrels align and do all this crazy stuff. And they're all handmade. And it takes somebody like a year to make one. And so that's what I'm doing. But the fix, we're going to get to that line with that. Yeah, um, yeah that's going to be no problem. Yeah, after after seeing the buffalo. After seeing all of those things, man. I only saw the kudu, and it was insane. Oh, uh, you seen the video of the kudu? Yeah. So it, hey, it Thomas, posted by roll now? the clip. It yeah. smoked that kudu. <laughs> yeah. it we just, were 134 yards away. And that, that's a 500-pound animal, so yeah. that's like a, I mean, or maybe even bigger, actually. But uh, that's a large animal. Yeah, and it, it just was said, sit down, little boy. Yeah, it just fell on its back, and it was I like mean, a backflip. Basically, yeah. it's like it was doing a, a back dive or yeah, whatever yeah. off a dive. It got it, pushed over. It didn't just like drop. It got pushed over. And I didn't see it because I was. So I went to Africa to film the whole thing with Kevin. That's what I did. Um, and I wasn't filming the actual uh, kudu at the time. I was filming Kevin taking the shot. So I didn't see it at first until I reviewed the footage that Rad got later on. And the impact of it, you know, right in the right here in like the shoulder chest area um, and right on his back, his horns got locked up in the tree behind it. Man. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it did a I mean, if you just rolled the clip. I rolled the, the clip already. Yeah. 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 Back Roll flip. it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back flips and it was pretty great because we get down there and its horns went between two little trees and we're stuck mm. between them anyway but uh it's a devastating round and we yeah. proved it on that trip yeah yeah so it because it's interesting right now like as we film this ethan is on his way to uh, a government test where they're actually testing eight six and at distance and everything and um the guy who runs it, who we've spoken about uh, before, he's a, he's been a big proponent of fast twist for a very long time, um, and is probably recognized at. He he's the person who's really pushed like modern projectiles to perform better, and you know someone who is when people say ballistics expert, you know. Um, he probably knows more than everyone else has ever forgotten when it comes to bullet performance and stuff like that. And so he did a lot of research into fast twists for short barrel two, two threes for the government several years ago. Um, and if you want those little bullets to expand, um, when you cut the barrel way down, you got to spin them fast. And he's known that because part of it is you want the bullet to expand. If you shoot something here, you want it to expand starting here. You don't want it to start expanding here. Right. You know, you want to make a bigger hole all the way through the animal. Well, speaking of bullet expansion, we have yeah. <laughs> we have a, a bunch of pictures of the eight six that we we dug out of all those animals. Well, when you say we dug Desmond. them out, I was <laughs> say, who dug them out? Yeah, by we I mean not Kevin 
or me. But sh- right now, you can put the picture in of Desmond in the Cape Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> this little man, yeah. which is, he's about my size. A little smaller. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. He worked so hard. He's awesome. He, he busted his ass, and he... Um, you know, he cut open all those animals, um, and one time went for the buffalo. He was halfway into the buffalo. At least halfway. He could have got all the way inside the buffalo. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. So he, he retrieves, he, he got some of our bullets out in the field. So we're actually taking two metal detectors this time I purchased. Good call. To make them easier to find in the animals when we're getting them in the field. But it's interesting when if you show the pictures of the bullets now, not only did they perform and expand, but you see the twist. You can see the twist on the mushroomed projectile. Right. Um, that's awesome. Because that, what that's doing is the bullet's opening sooner in the animal, and it's having more cutting surface. It's creating more trauma and a larger hole through the animal. And, I mean, you hadn't been on hunts before, mm-hmm. but you got you got a master's degree on that hunt. Yeah, that's that's important to point out. Is like again, I'm not a gun person, not a hunter at all. Um, and this was the first hunt I've ever been on. We, I was a part of eight or nine, like, um, what do you call it? Stop, spot and stock hunts. Yeah, or hunts. Yeah, and it was. I definitely learned a lot. I probably know more about hunting than a lot of hunters <laughs> in America <laughs> because of this fucking trip, man. Well, well, let's start. All right. So I, I want to point something out. So you were vaping a minute ago. And so, Jay, you probably know the story. So I, I had told Thomas a while back he could go to Africa. He really wanted to go to back to South Africa. He's been before. and But not on hunts. But I would take him, and he could video my hunts. And, you know, because I got love for the streets and all my kids at Q. I'm like, Thomas, you need to stop smoking. It's fucking stupid. And if you will stop smoking, and you, you now you're going to say, like, vaping. You're already lying to the people. I will love t- for the streets. You're already lying to folks. He still got love for the streets. Still. And I said, it, you need to check yourself. <laughs> so that if you stop smoking, I would take you to Africa. And you agree. Absolutely. Hump cent. I got you. No problem. I was up. Bang, 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 bang. You were going to do it. And so we're getting closer and closer. I still see you walking outside vaping all the time. I'm like, man, you made me a promise. I made you. I'm going to quit before Africa. I'm going to quit before Africa. I got you. I heard you. Promise. You show up the house. Ivanka's taking us to the airport. He gets all dramatic. He walks in the kitchen. He's like, hey, guys. With his (laughs) Denzel Washington granddaddy's voice. Hey, guys. uh, I told you I was going to quit. Pulls his little vape thing out. Opens a trash can. It's the last one I had. Right there. There you go. And it was awesome. And it was dramatic. First of all, I'd like to preface that this whole Africa, me quitting vaping thing, not the case. He told me that I can have a honey badger if I quit smoking. Um, I smoked for like six years. Switched to the vape. It's much better. Doesn't smell as bad. But I love smoking. So you're saying Africa was no part of this. So Africa was no part of this. However, I thought that it would be a good call. So that we're going, I know that we're going into a very rural, remote place of Thomas, Africa. Thomas, edit yourself out right now because you were fucking lost. No, so if I if I quit my smoking here and I go, okay, I don't have a vape anymore. I go to Africa for two weeks and I go and I, I get it out of my system. I go through my withdrawals or whatever the fuck. I can't smoke. I have no choice. That was my plan, right? I have no option. Right, so I can't smoke in Makes Africa sense. because. Can, can we get back to my story? Darts. No, so, no, no, my story. <laughs> my story so he does this 
He was going to quit. He does that. Yep. The second day, he starts smoking again. Okay. And he's still smoking now. We're back from Africa. There's no lions, tigers, bears chasing him. Yeah, but how did you... Now, uh, listen. So, I wasn't told that Rad, our awesome PH, our... Our fantastic guide through the wilderness. That motherfucker needs to stop smoking. Too. I didn't know that he smoked cigarettes, and me being a nicotine addict, right, Jay, right. I said, "Hey, Rad, I'm fiending after my 27, uh, 27 hour journey across the ocean. Um, I'm fiending. Can I have a cigarette?" And he said, yeah, man. And then he just never stopped giving me cigarettes. Oh, so you're just cheaping darts over there. Yeah, I started yeah. smoking. Because, like, again, cool. if you've ever been addicted cooler. to nicotine, I haven't. you can't just, like, I feel stop. like you need a cigarette now. Jesus, calm down, you liar. <laughs> I know that he likes cigarettes, so I wish he would just smoke cigarettes. I'm all about I don't want to smoke anymore, but I, I don't have a choice in the matter. He doesn't want to. Okay, you do. I don't. I don't. You do. Anyway. So, anyway. Anyway. Thomas... Is uh, cannot be trusted when it comes to cigarettes and nicotine. We've all got our vices. We've all got our vices. What are yours, Jay? Caffeine, big time. What else? And women. Yes. Really? Caffeine and women. Be what? surprised, sir. And sleep. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like guessed sleep. That. He loves I sleep. Love sleep. Nah. Yeah, you should see him when he gets caffeine, sleep, and women all in the same night. God damn, <laughs> you wouldn't recognize him the next day. <laughs> That's awesome. But no nicotine. No, no nicotine. Jay is as straight edge as he gets, other than like you caffeine, know, for caffeine, sure. oh, and God, cheese. I forgot Mexican lagers. I like cheese. The boy yeah, loves cheese. Yeah, but I don't cheese. even do that anymore. I just like don't do the. I just can't drink anymore. Why not? He'll have a beer with the boys every now and again. It's like once a year. Yeah. It, it hurts my nose. But that's the thing with so. Jay is like he he's like a chameleon, right? With he'll our with our team, he'll like not drink and he'll be like but if he like goes and hangs out with like some like crew with tattoos on their faces, he's having beers. And we're not like anymore. what the fuck is this? Like you won't have beers with us, but you'll go have beers with the with the criminals down the block. This is not okay. true. Not anymore. This is the olden days. All right. Well, where do okay. we start? That's the thing about this. Uh, well, about the so so we started there. So we fly over. It takes a very long time. It's actually life changing. Like it's there's something yeah. so like potent about like just the area that you're in. It's unbelievable. Every place you stand, every single place you stand, you turn around, and I mean, it is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Anywhere you stand on the entire property, it is incredible yeah how many times did we say it when we were driving around for every day eight every hours day. like every time you you top a mountain or you go around a hill to another valley you know go around a bend and you see another one it's like more beautiful than the last yeah we say it all the time and when you're stalking an animal right you find yourself in places that you know not everybody just goes to you just find yourself in like random places and every time we would like stop and like get out the car and like you know glass the side of the hill you have to like take a second and realize that like it's just so beautiful, mm. like everywhere. Like you can always like no matter where you're standing, you look in a certain direction and it is just majestic. I couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over that single fact. It's like and I said to Kevin like a bunch of times, like, do you see this? Are you seeing this too? And like he's a little bit more desensitized than I am. But like right. and I've been to Africa before, but I've never seen Africa like this. Right. Right. This is a this is a different thing and it is like something you see like on television on the internet yeah. it's incredible well, you, you know some of it could be whether you're you know part of it i'm sure is the ego but then i think part of it if you think about uh, like what you love with music 
you know. I and, fucking hate music. But every but every time like you go on stage to perform, it's like if you were doing it in front of your family every time or in front of no one you guys are rehearsing, that's one thing. But when you see people and you see their response and they love it, and it's probably not too different from like our products. The first time someone shoots the honey badger or a gun with a silencer for the first time, you see that response. It yeah. reminds you of why you love it. And I think going to Africa and seeing that, you know, like I'm dedicated building this lodge for the next 10 years, spending a lot of time there and I'm excited about it. And I might move on from there. Um, and whether you think about Hemingway and Roosevelt and all these other people that will say the same things that had the greatest lives ever experienced all kinds of things. And all of them were moved by Africa. It changed their lives. And, you know, like I sent you the video, you can roll it now. It's like we're in the owner's yard hanging out with him at the end of the day, or maybe at the beginning, I don't remember. I think at the end. Beginning. Beginning. And his kids, he's got three little kids that are like, whatever, seven to 12 years old. And it's snowing, and it's like only the second time it had ever snowed there in the valley or something. Oh, that. And we're hanging out, and the kids can't believe the snow, and you see that. And a herd of Cape Buffalo came through their yard. And then, and there were giraffe earlier in the front yard. And, and I asked them, it was, you know, the kids were so excited about snow. So then, you know, their dad had to take them up on top of the mountain where there's enough snow to build a snowman yeah, or to yeah. at least have a snowball fight. Yeah. Because, you know, the youngest one, I don't, maybe he had seen snow once or no, maybe never. No, the youngest one never saw snow. The oldest one has. Yeah, okay. So they're doing that and we're just hanging out and the kids are so excited. And they were so excited about snow. And then Thomas and I are like, you guys know you got like Cape Buffalo <laughs> yeah. 20 yards away. They didn't even care. Hey, but kids. <laughs> see that over there? Yeah. yeah, maybe get up on the porch, honey. <laughs> um, so but but as, I was asking them one day because, you know, we'd run into the kids about every other day and hang out with them for a minute. And, you know, they're just running around doing stuff. And I asked them one day because they go to school. You know, the school, of course, is like 45 minutes an hour away in the cl- closest town. And, um, so I was talking to him just about random stuff. You know, it's so hard for them to get things there. Like, even though this is like a, a reasonably wealthy family, like there's no Amazon, there's no stores around. So uh, like, I, I remember, uh, the owner's wife asked me to, uh, bring him back underwear that was comfortable. Cause it was so hard for her to find it anywhere. Like just stuff like that. And you're like, what? And he was kind of weird about it too. Like he's like a manly man, right? He's like a played you know, pro cricket. He's like a rugged dude. And he had a, he was like kind of weirded out about another man bringing him underwear. But then he was like, she said something <laughs> about it. He's like, you're talking about how those squeezed his balls too hard that she got him <laughs> like whatever. I was like, yeah. I was like, tactical distributors. Yeah. He and I were so stoked on the battle briefs. Yeah. I'm like, man, I got you. Yeah. I'm gonna, dude. Like, I'm gonna hook you up, bringing you some battle briefs. The battle briefs. So, but I asked the kids. Their children one day were hanging out there, and the giraffe, like some giraffe, came through the yard, and I was like, any of the kids you guys go to school with have giraffe in their front yard? And they just left. They're like, no. <laughs> I was like. Man, what a life. When you guys are older, uh-huh. looking back at your life now, like it's it's strange in the sense that they're so remote, but then they have all these incredible things that you just can't even think of. Yeah, like, the, the, the youngest boy. There's two girls and the youngest boy. And uh, one night we were at the lodge, and um, all of a sudden him and his dad come back, and his dad's <laughs> carrying a, a baboon that this, this – No, it was just a monkey. Was it a monkey? Yeah. It oh, was, it was a blue ball monkey. Yeah, one of the iridescent yeah, that's blue right, ball yeah. monkeys. So it was a blue ball monkey, um, and he's just holding it, 
And he's like, look what I got. <laughs> he's he like, walks he's into like the lodge holding a monkey. Yeah, he's like five years old. And he just smoked this monkey with a twenty-two, <laughs> And it's just like the lifestyle that these children have. And like, I, I, I can't understand it. You know what I mean? Because like, like, but they seem so happy and they seem so yeah. like, like, that's just the way it is for them. And they like, I don't know. They just love it. And they're, I don't know. It was just incredible to see like that type of lifestyle that these kids are like growing up into. And like, they yeah. live off the land and they eat, you know, the animals and, you know, uh, they when, have a garden. And right. Everything. Exactly. And when Kevin um, shot the buffalo, the kids came down like mm. uh, Andrew Pringle, uh, yeah, the yeah. owner of the place. He came down. He brought his kids to show him the buffalo and they were like psyched on it. They're yeah, like, the first pictures that were taken with it, they they yeah. were with the buffalo. And it's just weird because like you show like, you know, you know, the kids we know, like, yeah. like Jack's kids or something like that. We would like, hey, come look at this dead buffalo that yeah. they're cutting open they would they freak out, out. Yeah, well you, you know we don't you, i think we go over there expecting like okay if we want to kill a buffalo we're going to hunt buffalo if i want but it doesn't happen that often and so for them it was interesting because uh, remember when they brought all like they brought a bunch of trackers and a lot of the staff so like you know like what would you say like indigenous like the people the the staff that works the farm the locals yeah the locals so they brought like six of them there to help it, it, for us to to carry, yeah, drag the buffalo out to get the truck after, and, and for them to gut it and everything, and get it to the truck to get it back to process it, and they were hyped number one because they'll get a lot of the meat, yeah. and so that's cool for the staff there because they have a lot of staff. Like when we were there, it was actually not a time of year they have a, a large staff, but they have dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of staff that live there. And if we kill a buffalo, like they probably get half of it, right. so they get to eat steak and so so they. But they were all taking selfies and stuff yeah. with the buffalo. It was even a big deal to them. Like it didn't happen too much. Um, yeah, but just see, you know what I realize, and I think why I'm in love with it now is, is like every time I simplify my life, I find a way to make it more complicated. Like having a company is a lot of stress. A growing company is a lot of stress. Um, you know, still having kids in high school, like whatever the thing is, you know, and I know when I moved from Atlanta to New Hampshire, I, I could breathe a little deeper because there's no traffic. There's not much crime here. There's a lot of things that I, you know, been used to growing up there that there's not here. And it's, it's, it's a more relaxing life. So I think that re- allowed me to focus more on like Q and us doing a company, but I made my life very complicated again. In, in a lot of senses, but in a good way. But one thing I love about Africa, we go over there, like, I think what you're saying, it's very simple yep. in a lot of, like, rudimentary ways. And when we're there, we have cell service at the lodge. When we leave every morning, we don't have it again. Or we have Wi-Fi at the lodge. We have cell sort service. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not to upload videos, yeah. but you can, like, chat on WhatsApp with your homie yeah. or whatever. But And on top of the mountain, we have cell service. And that's it. And the rest of the day you're cruising around and you don't see other people and you're just hunting. And then at night is just catching up with your, with your homies that you're hunting with that are going out with other pHs. And it's just like a very simple part of life that I almost think, I think it's probably why it's life changing for a lot of people. And it probably was even this way to whatever degree in the early 1900s when Hemingway and Gary Cooper and Roosevelt and people were going over there was, it was such a simple way of life even compared to, you know, uh, U.S. standards then, that it, it just takes you back to that, and you appreciate these. I mean, then the other part is stuff that you've read about or seen in movies growing up, all these wild animals and stuff. Well, that's a point. What you just said is a point that I think has been a, um, a point that's been covered since the 1800s, is that 
I don't know who initially said it, but there was a there was a Native American chief or whatever um, back in the the late 1800s or early 1900s that said there were a lot of um, there were a lot of whites that were taken by Native Americans that would be kind of brought back into the white society. They would be like rescued, and you would see them try to get back to the Native American life. You would never yeah. see it the other way. You would never see no. you'd never see Native Americans that we're trying to get back to the to the white way of life and it's it's that simplicity that that even it's even down to that tribalism of like i think it's a quality of life that you take for granted but that on the tribalism side of it like that group of guys whoever it is whether it was the last group with danny and ray and all them like you just said you kind of you get up in the morning you go to you kind of leave the civilization the wi-fi type deal and you kind of part ways and you go on your own adventures and at the end of the day you reconnect on that adventures and you guys at that time are the only people doing those things and there are similarities in the two separate adventures and you can bond over those two things and i think that it's something that's lost in i think everyday society even in areas like new hampshire like we're still we're a little more rural than the middle of atlanta or la or whatever but it's still we we've lost that sense of I guess adventure and that. Well, that's the thing though is like we say like simple and like you know you you know you go out and it's like you know whatever. But the the unbridled adventure, the shit that happens when the you adventure. go out into the jungle or the plains or whatever, the stuff that happens that you cannot script, like things that are more exciting than any movie you've ever seen that happened to you. When you have no idea that they're about to happen, it's like we have so many stories about things that just like you couldn't write. And it's you can't just, yeah, see it anywhere it, else. It's almost exactly. like we need to. This needs to be a part of Q because I want it to be a part of my life, and it should be like I don't know, unscripted adventure, or it should be something adventure. Like I understand now. I, I think it's what I talk to. I hope a lot about you know whether it's some of our investors who you know are billionaires and. You know, I'm friends with them and close to them and work with them a lot and understanding their life. And it's like, it's very interesting. And by U.S. standards, you you know, like I think like maybe a common consensus. Oh, if you're successful, you do these things. And I'm just like, I don't know. I never thought I'd have any money. But now that I do have a few bucks, it's like for me, it's just I want it to buy me freedom and adventure. Like, that's what I want. Like, I don't I want. I don't want a bigger house. I don't want a Experience. fancier car. I don't want any of that. Like, I want to go on adventures. Because, you know, reading these things, like, what do we know about Hemingway or Roosevelt? Or, you know, it's it's all, I mean, it, it, it's all the adventures. That's the right. things that we know about. And, you know, for me, that's what I want, like, money to provide me is just adventure. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, I don't. It's it's so, it's so much more fulfilling and it's so much more interesting than, you know, if we sell, you know, the thing is with business and probably most things, you're either growing or you're dying. And and so, like, the business needs to continue. I think we make an impact. We make a difference. Um, the innovation, all those things are good. But for me personally, like, the just the adventure that we get to go on over there and it's so different than anything you can do here in America. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the th- I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, the, the, to kind of piggyback with what you just said, um, like, I maybe that's one of my vices, this, like, adventure thing. Like, when people want to go on a vacation and go sit 
by the beach for two weeks or whatever. Like I went out and slept in a tent in the dirt for two weeks on a motorcycle trip. Or and, and I want that. And I hear these stories that you tell when you come back and I hear the other guys tell the stories and it's like, I get so excited about that. And then when I got told that I was going to go help Tommy in Africa be the second camera and help t- to me, I took it as like one, it's an adventure. Like I'm going to get to yes. experience all these things that no one else is going to get to experience. But it's also, we have the ability to capture those experiences that we're talking about. And so when people are trying to tell their friends, all the other guys are trying to be like, Oh, we did this thing or whatever. We can help them yeah. show them that we are literally going to be the storytellers. We're going to make it so that yeah. people can join in on the adventure, documenting it. Yeah. I think it is yeah. important because we you know I've told you guys it's uh, it's like I have no videos of me as a child or anything, right? Like nothing. I have a, a maybe ten pictures of me as a kid, but you know, and I had a, like a, a relatively interesting childhood and stuff. I got to travel the country racing BMX for a team. And, you know, when I was in elementary and middle school, like I would be away from school for periods. Of, like that was kind of cool stuff. And there was like no one to document it. Um, but yeah, then as an adult, like all the things we talked about before with like the YouTube guys with like Demolition Ranch, like yeah. I did that when we didn't record it. There was no social media. And I just did it for fun because it was awesome. Yeah. And like, oh man, I should have been videoing all this right. crap. And yeah. I just didn't care. Yeah. I catch myself now. We're at Griffin and Hal. Like, because I really try to, when we go somewhere, to 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 hyper focus on it and and be in that moment and to experience and have fun. And then, I mean, there's so many things in Africa. You got so much footage, and we're going to start releasing that. But there's so many things. Like some days you wouldn't go when you're working, and so many things that I should document. And I just want to see it myself and then later on i'm like man i'm gonna forget it and i can never show it to anyone else i'm the same way though it's like like going to a concert or something or doing anything going on vacation like i like i do the video and stuff for q because that's my job but like when i'm just doing something on my own like i almost never document anything because like that's my moment and i want to fully live in that moment like people like watch concerts through Through their phone you know what i mean and it bums me out it's like how about you have that moment to yourself like that's your moment enjoy it fully experience what you're there to experience i I will say one thing like ivanka being foreign and you know not anyway I, i like for her to go places with me in general but one thing she does that i used to think is a little bit annoying but now i'm very grateful for is like her filming and taking pictures like a tourist Mm -hmm. and it seems it seemed ridiculous to me at the time but then you know like a week or two later she'll airdrop me 50 pictures that she took at moments that I'll forget about her. She captures this like moment that I want to remember, but I can't take the picture myself. It'll right. be of me doing a thing or whatever it is. And then I'm, I'm so grateful for it. That's a good point because like you, cause we knew we were doing this podcast last night and you sent me like a thousand pictures from the Africa trip. And when I was looking through them all, um, I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. That, Oh yeah. Like, and then yeah. just like, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool to do, but I mean, there needs to be a mix, but I think, you know, to get back to our trip to Africa and start going through some of the stuff that we experienced, (laughs) it's just life changing. And I feel that way every time and I love it and I'm able to, you know, take a deep breath. And when I'm here, you know, even though I'm, I'm not the CEO, I don't run operations anymore, but still like owning the company and being heavily involved 
it's like I have to be involved in so much of the company and it can get overwhelming, you know, no matter how organized you are, it just, cause there's always 20 decisions that need to be made and you're constantly collecting data for each of those and try and it, you know, so to go and, to, and, and maybe some people, they go to the beach for a week and they let their kids play in the surf and they read a book and that's their way to do it. But for me, like going to Africa and being isolated and doing something that still gets me energetic to where I'm not sitting around worrying about other things. And it's an adventure and it requires like if I hunt a buffalo or a lion, like it requires my focus. And what I find is when I a lot of times when we have, you, you know, you guys and the company doesn't need me for simple problems anymore. And the things that I end up involved in are all very complicated things because you know, it's just, I have experience and that's my job as a chairman of the board and to work with the board of directors, the decisions to where it's very difficult. And generally that's because you have three or four choices that probably make sense and you have to make one and stick with it. And those are the complicated ones. And those are the things that I think tend to wear on me. And Africa is a place where I go and I can think about those things, you know, in the morning when I get up and I'm showering, doing whatever. But, you know, once we're hunting, like, that's all it's about. Like, you can't, you can't fake that. Like, yeah. you, you have to be fully dedicated and focused. And it's just this singular thing, and it's an also a great adventure. I mean, you think about how many hunts would you say right, right now? You said you went on eight or nine, went the way we anticipated One. So, okay. So, you know, what do we have? 12%. (laughs) And the rest of it is you just got to be prepared and you got to be able to make decisions and you have to be able to adapt. And, you know, and it was the same for you with camera and same for me with a gun. And sometimes I fail. Sometimes like you didn't catch the shot. And it's just like, and that would bum you at first, but you had never been on a hunt. And when I would tell you, it's like, hey, do the best you can. We're not going to be able to set up every time to get it. And no. part of that should be even shown in these videos. Like, we're not trying to do a fucking hunting show. But that's the thing is, like, like me being me doing what I was doing and you doing what you were doing. You know what I mean? You're taking the shots and I'm also taking shots. But, like, and you, you're you hunting and you're stalking all day and you, like, you want the shots so bad. You know, that you want to take the shots so bad. And, you know, you get to that point when it's go time and... You know, you've been stalking all day and it's finally here and you don't get it and it sucks. And it's like the same thing goes for like me on camera, but also for you. You know what I mean? When you like when you just go just a touch high and, you know, we lose the we lose the animal, whatever. You know, it's like, you know, it's easy to say, you know, like, yeah, whatever, you know, like things don't go your way. But in that moment Mm -hmm. when you're like jacked the world, when you're jacked up and you're like you've been working, you really like I can't wait for you to go because it's a. You're working. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You are. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. him. I haven't seen him get out of breath so many times in my life. <laughs> this dude. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be last next. But time. anyway, it's like, you know, you, you work yourself up and you want to take those. You want to have the best experience and you want to share that best experience. Sometimes it doesn't go your way and it can feel no. like the end of the end of the world. No, it sucks. It's a bad feeling, especially for me. I mean, every time that I fuck up a shot or a stalk. Like, it bums me out because I've done it enough where I know it comes down to, you know, just by nature, I'm willing to take more chances than probably average or I should. 
and that bleeds over into my hunting. And then it's like a lot of other things in my life. I'm never as prepared as I want to be. And, and both those things cost me. And that bothers me a lot. Not, you know, if, if I fail at something and it's, you know, something we've never done, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I take an educated guess and, you know, risk assessment and we try it. Mm, it's whatever, learn from it and move on. But there's never a hunting scenario where I don't know. But it is, it ends up being that I was, I should have prepared a little more and that bothers me. I beat myself up about it or I knew I shouldn't have pushed it mm. and I did. And, yeah. um, you know, it bites me in the ass. And the, so that was my own thing. But, you know, I had to tell him like after a couple hunts where he doesn't get like the footage he wants, it's like, you know, the thing is I'm coming here for marketing and I'm also coming here for me. Right. And some of the things aren't going to work out for you. But don't get down about it. Like, this is the way it goes. You, you capture what you can, and then we'll use what we can. And you'll be prepared, you know, better for next time because you'll know what to expect. So that's a good segue into the buffalo. You want to start with that? Should we start with the roan? So the the first day we go out on yeah. a hunt, a, a roan is a, is, a, is a very large antelope. Stupid idiot animal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a big sable. Mm. And they're relatively rare, but those and sable, they're just dumb. They're like... They even look dumb. Yeah, and they're, they're not difficult to hunt. Well, you know, the fact there's just not a lot of them, but they, you know, like they call the kudu gray ghost because a kudu sees you, it's like a white-tailed deer. Like it yeah. does not hang out to see what you want to do. And there are animals that are dumb that do that. Yeah. They they want to, um, in, in a sable and a roan or... Or kind of those. Once you find them, you can kill them. Yeah. And, and so I think that was the point. But I wanted to shoot a roan because it's a very large animal. And for the 8-6 for a warm-up. And so we did that. And that was Tommy's first hunt. Yeah. Uh, shoot a roan. I shoot. I, I don't know. It wasn't very far. No. We caught it coming in broadside. I shot it. It ran a little bit. I shot it on the run. It dies. Wait. So back up. Back up. Because we were after a different roan. Oh, we were yeah. we were stalking a different roan and we found it and I don't know what had happened but we saw another I think one. we spooked it and it yeah. it went into the tree line yeah. but then all of a sudden this other one comes out like was yeah it comes along down. this hill like they yeah. were together or something oh, and we didn't yeah. realize at first yeah we we stalked that for like we were on foot for maybe a half hour before we came up on it um and you know, they put the sticks up and this was my first hunt. So I'm like fucking jacked mm -hmm. up. Like I have no idea what to expect or anything like that. And, um, and a roan is a big animal. It's, it's large. It's a big thing. Right. So and we'll, like, we'll put a picture up now. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I had no idea what to expect and we're walking down this trail and, you know, rads being rad and you know, I, I have no idea. Like I'm trying my best to like, uh, maintain proper hunting etiquette so that I'm not pissing off the pH. Right. I'm not ruining it for the hunter. Um, you know, just trying to be a ghost behind him. And I'm like, fucking, yeah. you know, and, uh, I, that was one of the hunts that I didn't quite get the shot I wanted. Have you, had you seen anything die like that before no. hunting? No. no, it was kind of strange too, because so, and I have it all on foot. I, I have all the footage of like after the shots. Did, did you get the, did you get the video of me going after it? On yeah. Foot? Yeah. So he shoots it, I think twice. 
Yeah, I shot it. It was walking along the hillside, and I shot it, and it ran down, and I, I shot it on the run. Yeah. And it went, like, another 20 yards through the trees, but I took off running through yeah. the trees after it. And those are some good shots because it was a moving target. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Vincent says you don't shoot a moving target. Well, he says Ray doesn't shoot a <laughs> Rambo over here, no problem. Um, and so it was. I mean, it costs you sometimes, but yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, if it's a shot you got, it's a shot you got. And it was kind of surreal to me walking up because, again, like I am not like a hunter, and I've never hunted or anything like that before. And like I'm not like queasy or anything about this type of stuff. Like I'm whatever. Not he he did not like the first one with the blood and all. Well, like so was it still kicking? No. So we walk up to it, and it's doing the. Uh, I can't yeah. breathe kind yeah. of thing. Filling up. And yeah. it's kinda like spitting up blood and everything. And you know, it's weird because Stitch, the little uh oh, the, dog. the little hunting dog yeah. who you would never like assume is a hunting dog. No, like you what those are what those dogs are made yeah, of. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I, I didn't well, know that. So. It's, it's, like that. it's a cousin of the yeah. Jack Ross. Um and she's like going up and like gnawing at it <laughs> and stuff and like this thing's dying. And you know, it was kinda like like wow, that first of all, holy shit is that a big animal. Yeah. And it's like it's dying and stuff, and like it didn't take long to die. You didn't, you didn't have to shoot it again. I don't remember. I had yeah. to watch the video footage. Yeah, you didn't have to. Shoot I, it d- I just remember the f- those two shots and then running, and it was down. Yeah, I don't think I did. But that was the first time I saw an animal being like uh, dressed, mm. you know, like gutted mm-hmm. in the like. In oh, that's the part Thomas didn't like. Well, no, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just like there was one thing in this whole trip that I didn't like. But like gutting it wasn't like a problem. It just like I just never saw it before. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what it was. Like, I didn't have any, like, negative feelings about it or any positive feelings about it. I was just kind of, like, indifferent to it. And I was watching it. And I was like, God damn, Lou Goodman's knife fucking rules. (laughs) 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 Um, But, yeah, it was just, like, it was a wild experience. That was awesome. Yeah, Desmond said that was the best knife he ever used. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good knife. Some animals are dirt, like, just durable. They don't want to die. Like, that sheep that I shot. I had to put a contact shot on it when I got up on it. It just didn't want to die. And like, mm. But a big animal is different. Like I saw a, a bison get shot, and we were right up on it as it's going. It's like, it's a heavy thing. It's not. That's a big animal. Yeah. And it, yes, it certainly fucking was. But, and it's just a heavy thing. So I was curious because I know, I mean, I'm sure you'd seen like whatever things get hit by cars or whatever, but I didn't know if you had seen a up close an animal die yet. No, no, that was the, the roan was the first one. And it was it like, you know, it, it was whatever. And we got to eat it. Yeah. You know, that was... It's like just a different... It's not like a good or bad experience, whatever. It's just a heavy... I mean, you're... Well, I, I, can, I, I knew why like, I was there. I yeah. can get why people don't like it, but it's also like if you eat meat, you like leather, all these things. I mean, hunting is the best conservation to me. Yeah. Like, I don't ever want anything to suffer. Yeah. Um, you always want to make the best shot. I mean, it just doesn't always happen. And part of it is... I don't want to track anything. Mm. And then the other part is if it if it needs another shot, I want to get there quick and put it in it. Right. Like it, it's, yeah. you know, and it's, you, you know, when I was very young and I've said it a lot of times before, like I was pretty liberal, like I never would have killed anything like all that. I didn't grow up around that stuff. But then like learning it and understanding it, it's just, yeah. you know, it's just part of it. And somebody's got to do it. Like if you like hamburgers, man, somebody's yeah. got to kill that cow. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Roan, it's fucking tasty, man. Yes, it's very good. It's delicious. Not it's very lie. good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, which you know, it's so great. I don't know. They've got twenty something species of large animals yeah. on that property, and most of them are very good. Yeah. Um. I I didn't like. Uh, I wasn't like the biggest fan of sable. Sable was kind of like tough to me. Yeah, it's probably old or something. Like yeah, probably. Animal. I don't know. I don't even remember this sable. But well, there was one night we they gave us three different meats, and they told us which one was which. Oh. We had Eland, sable, and roan. 
Roan, and Eland. Ooh, Ooh boy. Eland is that's, another, that's another big animal, too. So the second hunt that we went on. What do you want to do the buffalo story? You want to tell the buffalo story to me? Let's hear both sides. Let's hear. All right. Your, we'll take it step by step. So, so the Roan, I had the 16-inch 8.6 fix. Excuse me. With 160 grain TTSX. So tipped Barnes bullets. Right. Pop, pop. So the Buffalo had a limited supply of 210 grain TSX, non-tipped. Right. Supersonic, 16-inch fix. That Voodoo 1 to 8, shout out to them. Thank you, Big Hamp and JB, for the 1 to 8. Had that thing on one power with the dot on there. The two tens loaded up. The Buffalo Slayers. And um, so this was the herd buffalo in uh, a herd on their property. That's what I heard. That um, had been <laughs> that had been challenged um, several times, and it had mess. It is getting older, and he had hurt, and injured, and killed several other buffalo. Tried to get with a herd of cows because the way the buffalo work is there'll be a big herd of cows. And there is one bull that's in there that breeds them, and he fights every other bull that comes around once they come into to heat. Kind of like you, mm-hmm. Jay. Yes. Yeah. So big, big flock of ladies, <laughs> bunch yeah. of big cows there. <laughs> 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 yeah. No offense to you, ladies. I'm sure you're all quite lovely. Um. So he had been kicked out from my trip with Field Ethos and all the boys to this one by. A younger bull who's like now more in his prime, who was a monster, but he's the herd bull now. And they had lost, they had thought maybe he had killed the old herd bull because they hadn't seen him in two or three months since we'd left. And they found him about a month before, because you know it's a pretty vast property. They found him about a month before um, I went back. And so I'm like, hey, I want to shoot one with eight six. And they're kind of keeping an eye on them as they can once they find them. They had guys in the hills, like, keeping an eye on it for, like, the first, like, two days that we were there. Yeah, th- yeah, they had uh, a couple trackers on him watching him. Because, you know, he could, well, just like that, he could disappear for a few months and you not see him. Right. And so they had someone on him all the time basically watching him. Yeah. And yeah. then we went and, we went and found him. Uh, we were, like, a ways away. We were probably, closest we got was probably, like, I don't know, 400 yards from it. We have footage of us like, oh, on yeah. the opposite side. The day before, earlier in the day. Yeah, maybe. he was on the side of the hill, and we got really good footage of him just, you know, grazing oh. on the side of the yeah, hill. Yeah, you have that footage. Yeah. You play it now. Yeah, it's so it cool. Um, and, you know, we finally found it, you know, because, like, it took us a little bit, you know, but then there he was all by himself, you know, yeah. on the side of this hill. Yeah, so the bulls, sometimes the younger ones especially be together when it's an old bull that's been kicked out of a herd. He, generally just is isolated by himself sad old man Uh, but um we were watching him come down the side of a hill but i don't remember the reason we didn't have like a good approach and he that's like you're not going to shoot a buffalo from far and they're just so big and durable you'd have to shoot him with like 50 bmg or Mm -hmm. something with something like that too you have to really have a, a strategy um and i think we were just at this point just looking for him and we found him and then we were like all right there he is let's go eat lunch 
Because the trackers would see him like disappear into some trees or into kind of a little valley, and then they might not see him for half a day or a day. Right. So it wasn't like, you know, they're just like watching him 100 feet all the time. So, you know, that, that's the fear. Like, if you wound something like that and it goes into something thick, you got to go after them. They're very, very dangerous. Like, mm-hmm. they kill so many people, um, you know, relative to other animals. Like, a lion seems very scary. Far more people die hunting Cape buffalo. Right. It's just, like, by nature, a nasty, gnarly animal that's just badass. I mean, it's hide, so not, like, its skin is, you know, like a half inch or an inch thick. So... It's just a gnarly animal um, with a bad disposition. They he, just, he wants to hurt you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it is a little different than most other animals. Um, so anyway, uh, I don't remember if that was the day before or earlier in the day, but we decide they know where he is, the general area, so we decide to go get him. And so we go meet up with the tracker um, who was watching him at the time. And it, it's it's me and Rad and uh, the owner, Andrew. So he was videoing as well because he wanted the footage with their camera and a card from some of my previous hunts when I've been there. And Thomas and then Desmond, who is our tracker, who, you know, this is his job. Yeah. And we go talk to the tracker. And the tracker said there was a, a, a dried, like, creek bed running up this valley. And he had tracked him all day and he said he's been in this creek bed for a long time and he's heading in this direction and the last he saw him from where we saw him he said it was about a quarter mile up was the translation that's is that what you remember that's yeah. what i got out of yeah. it and so they so s- we were prepared for a quarter yeah, mile yeah. High. yeah so a yeah. quarter mile up but as soon as we start down in this dry creek bed there was in some water we probably got 50 or 75 yards from easily. 50. There was a herd of six or eight younger bulls in the water. And this is where it started to get real for me. Right. So like, again, this is my second hunt ever. And we're going after the scariest fucking thing in Africa. Black death. And, uh, yeah. and we're, we are a single file line. Everybody's super serious. This is like, everybody's like got their game face on. I'm I mean, cause I mean, they're telling yeah. us and they're telling us to be prepared. Yeah. Like all these, and with that said too, I've never been on a Cape Buffalo hunt. Mm. Yeah. Something I've always wanted to do. We did it now um, to test eight six and to to do this hunt. Decide to do it, but you know I've watched videos, I've read the stories, and I listen to the PHs, and they're telling me the whole time like you need to be prepared. We're going to shoot them at twenty yards or in. Yeah. And I just thought that was normal, right. but I had never been in close proximity to him. So I'm with Thomas as he tells us so, the story. Everybody's got their game face on. It's high alert. We're, we walk down into this riverbed. It's kind of, it has water in it, but some parts don't. Um, it was really dry there this time of year. Um, and we start walking down and then there's this herd of buffalo just chilling. Um, and they're like 50 yards from us and we're not after them. We're walking by, you know, we're just kind of going the opposite direction, but they see us and they know that we're there. We know that they're there. And then they start moving. Like as a herd, they start moving up. The, oh, there up was, the, well, there was the one too. It kind of came out. Yeah. It looked like he might come towards us the way, you know, at, at least what Thomas and I, at I that point at that. And then Kevin and I talked about it later at that point, I was like, Oh shit. Like, I'm worried about these things now. I'm right. like, I even forgot about the one we're going after. I'm like, 
there's a, they're right fucking there. Yeah, and, and they had prepped us on, you know, so th- there's, what, five of us, and there's only Rad and I with guns. Mm. But, you know, they had talked about, um, like, the owner and his wife, they have a trail for running. And, like, a few weeks before, they were running, and they jumped a buffalo that was in the bushes right off the trail, and they both had to climb in a tree for 30 minutes. Yeah. And so they're they're, like, telling us, it's going to be close. You have to be prepared. If stuff goes wrong, here are the things that you do. And then right away, this is what we see. Yeah. And then so we're, we continue walking up, and they're, like, kind of moving off to the other side. Are they but paralleling you, or are they kind of so going So, yeah, away? we're going up this trail, okay. and then they're going this way. Yeah. yeah. Kind of um, this way. And while we're walking this way, they, like, disappear behind the trees. And I'm, like, everybody's, like, so focused on going this way. And I'm, like... I'm like, are we going to... Yeah, it's only like 70 yards to disappear. We don't right. know where they are, and they're kind of angling us, but they might have been going across, you know, like, we don't know. Yeah, right. so from the jump, I'm like, what about those over there? Like, are we thinking about them at all? Like, I'm already but, high alert. But, yeah. you know, Andrew and Rad, they're the pros, and, yeah. you know, like, I was freaked out too, but then it's like, well, if they're not more freaked out, I need to let it go. Yeah. Like, you know, they've been doing it a long time. It wasn't so easy for me. But <laughs> but we kept on moving. Um we got some cool shots going through the woods and it was kind of like a it was like a damp day. Um I did say it was dry, but this day it was kind of like rainy and wet. Um but not enough for like the river to right, be. Yeah, yeah. Um anyway, so we're going through and it's you know, we're probably walking for maybe uh, ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah, there's some stuff said then between Andrew and Rad. And I don't remember if I just didn't hear if it was an Afrikaans or something. And Rad, so we're all single file now, and it's Rad, or PH, me, Andrew, Thomas, and Desmond, our tracker. And Rad turns to me, and we're in the creek bed, and it's thick in there, which is why you're kind of high alert, because in some areas you can only see 10 yards. Right, yeah. And there's a down tree beside us in front of us, kind of obscuring the the left of the creek bed beyond us and rad turns to me right then and he's like hey keep because before that all i'm doing is staying like what rad wants in these situations and what he told me to do is stay as close to him as i can don't step on any fucking sticks or rocks make any noise stay close to him as we approach and we start stalking so i'm not really looking around much or um you know, noticing my environment that much. I'm trying to stay right on him, and that's his job at that point. So when he says that, that means create a little distance and be looking around as well. And so that happens. Rad takes off, and there's this down tree. He goes beyond it, and we have about 10 yards of separation at this point. I step out from behind the bush and up. So we're in the dry creek river thing and there's a bank that's maybe like 18 inches two feet tall and there's a little tree that's maybe six or eight inches in diameter with two branches about two feet off the ground that are parallel with us and they branch out like this and rad had walked past it and that the buffalo we're looking for is less than 10 yards from us asleep laying down facing us broadside on the other side. I have footage tree. I have yes. footage of uh, Kevin double taking like he looks yeah, continues walking and then he looks again and he go he tries to signal for Rad and Rad turns around and then it is just yeah from that point on like I've and like I have to give kudos to Kevin here because he didn't flinch. He put his ear pro on like he like had 
it was just chill. Now, I didn't notice at first, right? I didn't see like Oh, I yeah, because they're all obscured still by the bush. Right. That's yeah. why Rad didn't right. see it well, during Yeah, I saw the clip and Rad... It almost it looks like he looks that direction, but he just keeps going. Yeah. You looked over, looked back, and then double took. And so the signal for him. the buffalo. So is they couldn't sleeping. see yet. Right. Yeah. So the buffalo is like sleeping, like laying down at least. Yeah. Um, well, he and was we sleeping. And he had his eyes closed when I saw. But then when I noticed Kevin and because I'm filming, right. and when I noticed Kevin like getting ready, I'm like, oh shit, what's going on? And I look and just it, like I can just see. The things, uh, what do you call it, boss? Uh, the, the bosses. Whole, the bosses. Horns. Or the yeah, horns the on the head. Yeah, yeah I can just see it. And it starts to like move a little bit. And at that point, I'm like, what the fuck? And then um, all of a sudden... Well, wait a minute. I, I can't wait to see this because I've not seen any footage because Andrew has the footage all the way up until he gets up and raises it. But at this point, um, y- you know... My memory and recollection is I get I gather Rad get him back. I'm in line with the buffalo and the tree is between us and Rad is beside me and he we end up having to like make a noise or something to wake him up and he wakes up and we're standing there and we're still so there's this little tree between us with a couple limbs yeah. and so he can see us but he he's opening his eyes and kind of blinking a little bit. And he's going up and down trying to capture us. And he can't really make it out at first. And he stands up, you know, and everything. And he takes a step. And he puts his head down. And he takes another step towards us. And that's where, it, yeah, it's, at, it's on. At this point, I'm thinking in my head that I'm going gonna, I'm wa- I'm gonna to watch Kevin die. I think I'm going to watch Kevin get fucking steamrolled by this thing. Cause but it they is, told me this is the way it was going to be. Right, so I'm right, thinking, oh, yeah. this but is Kevin, what's supposed yeah. to happen. Kevin is having, he's like, focus. I am shaking, right? I'm not thinking about anything else except the fact that I'm going to watch my friend Kevin die. And then all of a sudden, it's I see. funny because, you know, what I'm thinking is I haven't looked back and I don't know where anyone is. But I'm like, I've got a shot here. If he goes this way, I don't know where those guys are. So right, I got to be yeah. careful where I shoot. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I see our tracker, Desmond, in a tree. I look <laughs> up. Dev- Desmond is in a tree. And Desmond does this for a living. Yeah. Motherfucker's in a tree. And I go. He says, I have children. <laughs> yeah. He says, I have small children. He doesn't speak like great right, English yeah, at yeah. all. Um, but I'm like, oh, shit. So I immediately go, yeah, that's a good idea. So I get up around the tree so that i at least have something right and all in this all this commotion like the thing's standing up kevin's about to put one in yeah. his chest see i i don't i don't ever look back so i don't know what's going on yeah so I, i'm like i never because well, yeah, t- you're like you were told like hey it's going to be close so you're going to get a shot like you're going to get an opportunity to get a shot so i would imagine you go oh here's my opportunity for the shot i'm going to yeah take this we were told it was going to be close we yeah did. it was going to be close and so, so once i knew that was him and it was on like i wasn't gonna take my eyes off of him yeah because, yeah, I mean, I do know this is something that can kill me, but I had maybe a false sense of security because I thought it was supposed to be this close. Right. Because at this point, at this point where we are, he's nine yards from us. Yeah. So he's the length of this room from us, which it seemed even closer. And there's a six or eight inch tree, which he could easily knock over between us. And these little branches that there was only two on the tree and they were maybe a couple inches in diameter sprouting out both this way. And... I'm looking around the tree to look at him and 
He's so he was broadside when he was laying. He got up and he turned towards us and he's facing us. And he's still trying to make us out. He's not sure. And Rad to me now it, we're shoulder to shoulder, and he has his rifle. And you don't want your pH to ever shoot. I mean, sometimes it's mandatory yeah, on a yeah. dangerous animal. Um, but you don't want them to shoot like you want to do it. Yeah. And Rad says to me at one point, and I'm waiting for him to say something to me, but he had told me, he's like, don't shoot it in the head. Like, normally braining it's a good shot, but we're testing this bullet, and we knew this one had giant bosses on its yeah, head. Yeah. You know, it's old and larger than normal. And if you hit the bosses, like, because you want to shoot a couple inches below them, but, you know, it's very easy to miss by that much. Yeah. You hit the bosses, the bullet's not penetrating. Right, yeah. And you're just Look fucked. Off. You've yeah. got this animal that can kill you and that is now is angry, now, yeah. angrier yeah. and is after you. And so he had told me that. And so I had asked about a chest shot, and he said, you know, they're, they're uh, I, I don't remember if it's some sort of plate, but they're very thick here, and that's mm-hmm. a tough shot on a buffalo. And he wanted me to go in the crease of the shoulder. And so where I am, I do not have any shot but right. his chest or his head. Yeah. And had I known that nine yards was unusual, I would have shot him in the fucking forehead and right. it had been yeah. lights out. But so Rad's sitting here and I'm waiting for him to say something to me. And I mean, this happens like, you know, it right. seems like a lifetime, but it's literally a split second. Mm-hmm. And his barrel is like this to me. And he's like, Kevin, you're going to have to shoot this thing. Yeah. And so, okay. I said, okay. And so I put my hand under his barrel. I was yeah. like, can you move your barrel? I need yeah. to get on the other side of you. Stone focus. And, and yeah. I push his barrel up and I ease over. And I don't have like the perfect shot, but I, I can see the crease in the shoulder and I go for it. And bam, I pop him with the eight, six with the fix. And he jumps and he run, he turns to go away. And I instantly run around the, the the limb because you know to me like i don't like tracking him i don't want him to get it yeah, away yeah, i don't yeah. want him to get in a situation where we get eyes off right. of him and he's wounded so get another one into and, him. yeah and then i'm like oh god where are all the guys and i'm like i look i can't see anybody else but i'm still maybe 10 yards from him and all i can see is his ass and you know they're large so i see his right. belly and they're broad in the front and i go around the tree i have enough of an angle i mean sneak it is slight one. to sneak one in behind the shoulder and then once he was down, we saw the bullet went like 12 inches along his belly, then into his shoulder. Oh, so yeah. it was, I got lucky with that. It was a good shot. And he turns around instantly and um, puts his head down. And his rad is right on my back, right, right beside me on my back the whole time. And he turns around, turns towards us and puts his head down to like come at us. And um, it gave me enough of an angle. I put another one in in this shoulder and he jumps in the air and he holds this shoulder up and I had a good angle again. I put another one in him instantly and he's yeah, down and yeah, it busted his shoulder up. He landed on his shoulder and immediately collapsed yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and in all this commotion, and I mean, um, and this is literally like yeah, a second and a half yeah. or two seconds. Yeah, it seems like as a you long can rack the bolt, Yeah. All this commotion I'm filming, but I never hit record. Yeah. And I don't blame myself. I don't. No. This I, was the second. blame yourself. This was the second hunt I've ever been on. I thought like, and I was fully prepared uh, to yeah. see a buffalo at twenty yards, yeah. get the get the shot, like make it happen. But this just, I was fully unprepared for yeah. what was about to happen, and I like tried my best, but I was like scared. Yeah. I was like for real, actually terrified. Um, 
and I thought that I was going to watch Kevin get hurt. I thought I was going to watch Rad get hurt. Um, I thought that I was going to get hurt. I thought that this was going to be like just especially seeing the tracker in a tree. I was <laughs> filming, and I never even looked yeah, to see if button, I was yeah. recording. Yeah, and so Andrew, as soon as he uh, lowered his head to me and ran, his memory card filled up. Yeah, oh, and wow. right before, right, so I have really good shot from Andrew's camera of the buffalo. Yeah. I'll put it up right here. See him right here? It's massive. I've not seen any of this. Um, I've seen, he showed me some of the a couple. Well, of anyway, anyway, so I right like before we went on this hunt, I tried to give him one of my cameras, um, with you know so that I can have the footage immediately, uh, and he wanted to use his 1987 fucking Panasonic <laughs> camera, and it came free with the purchase of a yeah, Buick. Yeah. yeah, and he like was, and I was like, no, for real, like use my camera. It's lighter. It's you know, it's it's nicer. You right. can shoot in like you know 4K, whatever. And he's like, no, 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 I really want to use my camera. And he's like, it's got like a handle on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it looks like a fucking I mailbox. Mean, it, it's literally from the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, and he was adamant about it. And this guy doesn't like change. You know, he's a you know, very good guy, but he he likes his things his way, yeah. which is fine. I get it. So both of my cameramen totally blew it. So as soon as, like, he's getting shots, right? And he gets the buffalo after it stands up. And as soon as that happens, his memory card gets full. And if he were to take my camera, we would have had we would have had all the footage in the world, like or really good footage. Thomas because had press play and not climbed a tree. And he was, one. yeah. And it, I was real down on myself afterwards because we went there for that. You yeah. know, it was like it was for that buffalo. And the fact that like I went across the world to like get the shot and I didn't get the shot, it like it weighed heavy on me. I did my first the buffalo, yeah, and my the first buffalo with an eight six like all, all, all the things that are heartbreaking happen yeah. yeah yeah and is anyone gonna schwack one on this next trip buffalo <laughs> it's expensive yeah it's oh, like yeah. 12 grand uh, 12 12 five or something if yeah. we can find one but um it's expensive but uh mm, well on the next trip but i'll probably you know i want to shoot something we're talking about the history of africa and everything so there's Griffin and Hal rifles for planes games. And there's the double rifles and, you know, a real one where the London companies, London's best back in the early 1900s. And that's sort of Hemingway, Roosevelt, a traditional way to do it. And I want to do it with one of those. So I think I'm going to shoot this one with the double rifle. Because I, I don't know. I don't want us to have a, a hunting show. or a game, So it's like, oh, I should shoot with the fix. Well, I did it once. <laughs> but I will with the lion. Um, but but I kind of I want to take some dangerous game with the double. I think uh, the double is just part of like yeah. the African experience. But this hunt, I mean, that was an exciting time. And then, you know, like I had no idea. Like I knew that was pretty close. But, you know, telling Thomas afterwards, it's like, if Rad and I have guns and we're not running, like, don't run. I mean, easy to say when you're holding to somebody when they're holding a camera yeah. and not a gun. I didn't run. Yeah, but also, I, like, like, you've <laughs> never... I strafed. <laughs> yeah, but you also right. have not been... I mean, I don't know what the most, like, uh, in that regard, dangerous experience you've been in before. But, like, you clearly have not been in that position before. So, who, like, I wouldn't expect you to just stand there and go, fuck it. Anybody in my position... At the time, like, and I'm not saying like, like I fucked up by like not get, I not hitting record because I was filming. I was literally like <laughs> doing but this. If, but you know, if it, I had seen Desmond or Tracker run and climb a tree, 
I probably would have freaked out. But I'd just been prepped. This is what the experience was going to be. And, and then I, I mean, and I generally do have the attitude of if I've got a gun that I'm confident in and I've got good ammo. Well, also, too, like I've never seen. So, like, I've pet a, a wild buffalo before and I have a we can I'll send you the picture. Uh, I've a got bison. S- bison. Yes. American. Yes. Buffalo. Ama- yeah. <laughs> different. Not a K buffalo. Um, and I've got a selfie with it. a ripped one. And. Because I had never seen, I mean, there's signs all over the place saying, don't get out of your car and touch the bison or whatever. Um, yeah, that was pretty stupid of you to do. Yeah. Absolutely. But to me, I'm like, well, I've never seen a bison run anyone over and trample them, so it can't happen to me. And then, so I did it, and then literally the next weekend in that same area, a lady got trampled to death by one. So, like, you've, you've probably never seen someone get stuffed by a by a Cape Buffalo. So No, I've seen it a bunch. Watch some YouTube videos. Oh, well, because, like, for me, in my head, I'd be like, oh, that's not going to happen. Like they've got guns. It's not well, going to happen. Gonna, it's not going to trample. Well, I think there are people that are freak out even with a gun and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't know. I, I until I, you're I in that position. In, yeah, and I had right. confidence in Rad, and I had confidence in me to do it. And it wasn't, it wasn't my first hunt that was dangerous. It was my first buffalo hunt. Right. And. Um, it just happened to be close. Yeah, it was very close, but you know, I've shot hundreds of animals at this point and I, I get it and I'm willing to shoot until it's down. You know, that's another advantage of like hunting with the fix. Like if you have a double rifle, you got two shots and you have to reload in a way that unless you practice all the time, like you're one of those three gun guys, you have to take your eyes off the target and load the gun. And that to me seems very sketchy. Um, or even if you only had a, a blouser or something that had three or four rounds, way better than two. But See, but that's the thing, though, is you put you put more than two rounds into that buffalo. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I've also learned when it's something like that, whether it's dangerous, you don't want it to get into some thick stuff where you got to go after it because right. that's where you can get hurt. Or if you don't want to track it down a damn mountain. Yeah. Like, you shoot until it's down. Yeah. Like. Ammo is very cheap relative to losing a twelve thousand five hundred dollars yeah. or the animal. hospital bills as you get. Yeah, or being killed. Yeah, that it, buffalo was a tough son of a bitch. Oh, uh, because it. after it was down, he was alive and he was moving like yeah, he, he was, let out. Remember that death moan, dude? The oh. moan. I'll put it up right here. Oh, you got, you got it. Jesus Christ! It sounded you're like, and he wouldn't shut the fuck up. Yeah, you're like, hey man, just go to sleep. Yeah, go to sleep. Uh, and he, it was tough. And then what surprised me the most, like you said before, was when they were like cutting it open on its belly. Like when they cut open the skin, the skin was like half an or three quarters of an inch to an inch thick, like on his belly mm. thing was tough, like yeah. a rugged animal. And I just like I was like, wow, that's that he's thick, <laughs> especially yeah. for being old. You know, he's right. like an old motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it's a tough animal. I mean, it's an honor to be able to shoot one. It was really cool, the experience. Um, you know, it's interesting. Remember we were at the airport and we met some other hunters and a guy, it was his dream to go shoot a buffalo, and he shot one. And I was like, oh, you know, and I'm interested. And it's like, what would you hunt it with? And I, at 375, I was like, how far did you shoot? And he's like 120 yards. I was like. That's right. And then I said, uh, and you're like, yeah, I shot one too. And then uh, he's like, well, how far was yours? And I said, I interjected and I said, nine yards. (laughs) And they were like, they were like speechless. They're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, for me, you can do what the guy did, but I would never 
pay pay that much to do that. Right. Because if you read the stories, like the African stories, and, and what's exciting about those hunts is the close proximity. Right. Now, and some people would say it's stupid. Maybe they said about when we talk, we circle back to the Griffin and Howe rifles compared to new ones. Like, maybe it's stupid because we can get the same thing out of uh, the fix or a modern gun for a fraction of the price, and it's all handmade. But part of the experience of hunting the dangerous game is, like, you are up close. I think it's why people love bow hunting, too, mm-hmm. is you are up close and there's stuff that can go wrong. Like it is not efficient to bow hunt. Like it is extremely inefficient. Um, but it's the experience that you want. And you get some of that with the dangerous game in Africa and especially the Buffalo. But you know, the big thing for us was proving out the bullet, you know, in the first shot that I made, that was a, a pretty hard angle, right, right into the crease of its shoulder. As soon as he died, it was in his opposite hip and you could see it on top of the skin and Rad reached down and felt it, and he or Desmond cut out the knife, and we have when we got the bullet. Mm. And you know, so when we start thinking about how effective is eight six and the fast twist and that Barnes bullet. Right. That is a giant animal the size of this table, and it stopped in his hip going diagonally through mm. him. Yeah, I mean that one shot, he would have been dead. Right, we might have had to track him three hundred meters, and might not have gotten him till the next day, but that killed him. Right, um, and then. You know, the other shots where I had, you know, a more perpendicular angle to him, it was all the videos that I've watched. It it was like shooting him with a, you know, a 470 Nitro or something like that. Um, 8.6 is legit. Yeah. Yeah. 8.6, especially with the bigger animals, like with the Eland, the Buffalo, the Roan, um, just. I mean, the Eland hunt, that was another great one. So that was our Buffalo one. And we talked about Desmond getting inside of him yeah. already to get the bullet and the cut esophagus and everything so he could get all the guts out. The Eland hunt um, was my favorite hunt um, that we did. Um, oh, it was? Yeah. Be- so e- Elon is, um, let me interject and you tell your story. The So Elon is the largest antelope in Africa. Like they're 1,500, 2,000 pounds or so. They're huge. They're a, a light tan color. They'll kind of stand out. And you'll see them on the side of a mountain or somewhere. And you think, oh, okay, they're going to be easy, but there's all kinds of trees and stuff, and you get, and it's a large, large animal. So, you know, I'm hunting with a 16-inch 8.6, and, you know, I've got good dope to about 400, and we would get 500 yards from them, maybe 450, and then they would go 500 yards. They're also, like, incredibly uh, skittish, mm-hmm. like, yeah. th- so skittish that when they see, like, other animals running for some reason they will start to run even though they don't know what they're running for. Like that was something that Rad was telling us. Like, so like we had to be careful of like other creatures right. in like as well. Like, so like, like there was a bunch of zebra, right. And we were after Elon, but there was zebra around and we were trying hard not to spook the zebra because they'll spook the Elon. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Yeah. And so we spent a couple of days going after Elon. Yeah. And, and it was that scenario. We would spot them. We would glass. We would stalk. We would get to a spot and where we would try to make a final stalk to get within 300 yards, let's say. And we would get to 450, and those fuckers would take off 500 yards. Yeah. In, in bushes and trees, so you can't see them the whole time. Yeah. And, and it would be in terrain sometimes, like on mountainsides. So right. it is very difficult. That was like the most part was like the fact that it was like we were in like mountainscapes doing this. Right. And uh, it was my favorite hunt because like for the first time, this was probably about the middle of the whole trip. 
this was like the first time that you know me kevin rad and um desmond were like were like a good hunting party right like everybody was doing their job everybody was like you know we were on point we were moving with each other we were doing like we were like for real like a team right and like everybody's looking out for like for each other making sure like i'm okay i'm getting the shot Everybody's working together to get because we're there for market. Oh yeah, we almost had a shot. We were trying to get you to get the. Yeah. So I have I have this all on tape, and I have because like, I, I think the first like we saw him in the morning as we were going up, and then we were on top of the mountain. We saw him from down. We tried to make yeah. a stalk going down, but then they took off. We went down, and we had to try to come back up. We it made was, like three or four stalks to yeah. get close, and there was three or four times where the um, Kevin was on the sticks, you know, like hand on the trigger ready um and we were so quiet and like we were sometimes really close to them but then they kept moving away from us and we kept having to move and it was a herd and there was one particular bull we were after and they would stay together and so sometimes you just have a little window to shoot through and then picking out the actual bull we want to shoot to not shoot the wrong one yeah that's the thing it it was not wide open right Right. so we were behind like a like a kind of like a tree line they weren't like big trees but they were it was like a bush line if you will but like bigger bushes and i couldn't see you know and i'm filming kevin i have like the tripod set up with the other camera on target but i'm filming kevin and i can't see shit like there's like a small window like where elon and i was looking at the footage the elander walking back and forth through this window and like no wonder it took forever because like there was no shot right. like there was a shot every five minutes for three seconds yeah so like we we did this three or four times, um, and each time we got closer and closer. You know, and with a big animal like that, and especially in the mountains, like you, in it's hard to make the perfect shot, even a small percentage of the time. But you do not want to make a bad shot on an animal that big in the mountains. No, yeah. also I mean it, it can be a full day recovery. The yeah. Elon once they start going they'll fucking go to Mozambique. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't think, but like an eel and this giant animal, it's like it couldn't run, can jump an eight-foot fence. It's an yeah. antelope, yeah. And they can keep running. Yeah. Even if they're like shot, they're going to keep going. That's what Ray yeah. was telling us. Yeah. If we shoot it and lose it, we're it's gone. Right. Um, Were you shooting off sticks most of the time? It depends on the shot. I shot, I mean, it's, it's probably a good mixture of prone is probably the smallest percentage, but offhand or on sticks mm-hmm. is probably 50-50. It depends on the hunting environment. Like sometimes like with this, if we're hunting in, a, in, a, in, a, in the bush, like in a thick area, there would be a fair amount of shots offhand, and they're generally 100 yards, 150 yeah, yeah. yards and in. And anytime I can get on sticks, you want to get on sticks. But, you know, once it gets over like... 300 yards shooting off sticks not easy. It, it's not optimum um but sometimes it's what you got yeah. and, and and that's where the practicing where we talked about you know and i made an instagram post about us going to griffin and how and training with mike murphy like you go and they got a thou- well, 900 yard range the primary range that he works and they've got like all the animal targets all the stuff all the di- distances mm-hmm. angles everything and they have barricades up, vehicles, because shooting off the hood in Africa is a thing. You can do hunt any way you want. You can shoot from the back of the truck. You can shoot from the hood. You can shoot from uh, away from the truck on sticks. You can wait and get prone. But sometimes it's just like your opportunity. If you want a certain animal, a target presents itself, yeah. what do you have in the next five seconds? And that's where practicing all of these different things and understanding the fundamentals and practicing those. Because I know them. 
And when I don't practice much for a year and I go on a hunt, like you forget them and you fall back into bad habits and that sucks. Like you don't, you don't want to do it. And so if you, you know, it's, it's like, I loved, we just went down, you know, in this past weekend after the, the, um, uh, PSR, P- PRS match, PRS yeah. match, yeah, precision rifle, yeah, precision rifle, um, that Griffin and Hal put on. We, you know, and you guys shot in it the, mm-hmm. the next day we stayed in Mike, um, with me and the engineers, he did a, a, a big game hunting train, train up for us. Yeah. And we were shooting off sticks and barricades and proper position and, you know, and, and proper support to be able to shoot in these, you know, unconventional ways that when you go to the range, you shoot from a bench or you shoot right. prone and all the other ways that are practical and what you're going to encounter in Africa, shooting out to 500 yards. Yeah. That that you just talked about, that truck that you talked about, everyone will see it when it gets thrown together. That thing kicked all of our asses in that match. At least yeah. until we got to the hood. The hood yeah. we would all crank one I off. Think it was a Tahoe or what? But yeah. the thing is the window's out. But I think you guys too, like not understanding, like lock your legs out, right. use bone on bone, try to get steady. And also you guys were like, that was your last thing. If it had been at the beginning of right. the day, that was one of the more difficult things yeah. you probably all would have done better but yeah. yeah if if you shoot from a bench and prone and oh, you yeah. shoot lights out okay shoot shoot some positional yeah. shooting let's see how you do big boy yeah like you you better have some technique and you better practice it's kind of like golf yeah you might be natural at it but if you don't practice you're not gonna you're not gonna have the same success as somebody that, that does it every week yeah. yeah yeah and that will show it to you yeah yeah jesus yeah, so the Elon. So, what about this Elon hunt? Um, well, we did like I said, we did like the three or four stocks, and each stock was great. And they never, they never knew we were there. Um, we just couldn't get the shot, so we had to keep moving. And then and we tried hard not to speak them for what Thomas was saying because right. they fuck off to the next yeah, mountain. And then uh, the days wasted. Right. Um, but finally, we were like in like so. This is like crawling. The yeah. whole thing all day, like and real stalks. We were like in the armpit of a like a mountain, mm-hmm. like it kind of like was like a ninety degree angle, but not right. Um, I got you. And they were up on this mountain, and they started to work their way around towards us, like on like walking up on this right, like right, little right. trail up there. And they were actually starting to come around us. So what we had done was, um, we worked out a strategy to kind of cut them off and work our way up that hill that they were coming exactly towards. So we like cut them off and we like kind of moved up. You know, in general, you do this and they make just right. a slight adjustment and they fuck right off. Yeah. But luckily for us is like they be they came right. Like we met them. Yeah. Right? It's one of those things. If, and if you do enough stalks on a certain animal on a day and they don't know you're there, eventually it's yeah, going to yeah, work yeah. out. Like we had four failures, maybe three or four. And then the the fourth or fifth one just happened to work I wouldn't out. even call them failures um you just couldn't get the, no, you, you just did get a good stock you yeah you couldn't get the shot yeah. and we never we never spooked them or anything so yeah. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't consider it a failure I would just consider it like like hurdles obstacles easy for the skinny guys but finally finally we were at this like little bit of like a crossroads and all of a sudden well we had to what, what he's leaving out because it wasn't hard for him we had to run up this mountain to get in position right I was I about know. to pass out. It was horrible. <laughs> I thought I was going to have cardiac arrest. <laughs> yeah, man. That was, yes. You, you got to work on your cardio for next time. <sighs> I know. I've, I've been doing the rower in there. Good, good, good. Um, but then, so all of a sudden, there's this clearing, right? And we have it all on tape, so you're going to be able to see it. But there's like this clearing, 
and we see our bull and for some reason like he's not even with the rest of the herd anymore like he's just chilling by himself now Mm -hmm. just walking minding his own business at this point like and we've been fighting this whole time to be like like within 200 yards all of a sudden we're 50 yards from this thing Mm. right and there's this perfect little clearing that he is walking he he says clearing when his head okay so when his head popped out when his head went behind the next bush of the clearing his ass was still behind this so what we had was a hole to shoot through basically which is i mean up here this is that's how you yeah and so you had to identify and then you had one second yeah that his vitals were in that hole it was such a small window of time but luckily rad put up the sticks kevin got on there um and it was just such a beautiful shot. He walked. All you and see, and he could have like, taken two trails. And the other trail, we wouldn't have had a shot. Right. Yeah, so it was a perfect scenario. And Kevin was right on there, eight six. Oh, and then all you hear is Rad go smoke him, <laughs> and he did too. Yeah. And he fucking hit him one time, one shot, yep. hit the deck, dead. It was amazing. And when we walked up onto it, like, and there was like high fives. And obviously, every time Kevin shoots something, he's like. All of you suck. I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like hilarious. But like we walk up on this thing. That's th- this never happened. <laughs> it's, it's there. Um, and uh, when we walk up on this thing, it is like a Clydesdale horse. Oh, yeah. They're big. It is the biggest animal I've ever seen. It's big. It is so fucking massive. And it's like, as massive as Thomas's exaggerations. I'm, I'm playing the clip right here. This is Kevin right after the hunt. And you lazy fuck didn't even want to climb the hill. Yeah. And uh, oh, what did I say to Rad? You said something like, "Like, yeah, you basically said he sucks. I have to do all the work. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. It's like because I didn't want to do this last talk. I was like, it's <laughs> bullshit. He's like, you gotta go. I got your homework. I'm like, I don't want to. And he makes me do it. And then I pretend it was like my idea. <laughs> That's right. And what was funny about this, uh, so like Rad has to go get the car. We have to mark it. It's too big. We have to get a bunch of guys. It's not a car. It's a Land Cruiser. I'm sorry, Ooh. Land Cruiser. He has to go get the fucking, yeah. Anyway, so uh, it's huge. They like wrestle it around to like get the shot or whatever. Then Rad leaves to go do whatever. Get the truck, the Land Cruiser. And um, then Desmond, it's just me, Desmond, and Kevin. Oh. And they're cutting it open. And this thing is huge, right? Yeah. And so Take, Desmond takes a team. Desmond's by himself cutting this thing open and he asks he asks Kevin, he's like, uh and he sucks at English. He doesn't yeah. he's he speaks uh Cosa. Yeah. And uh so he asks Kevin to hold up the leg. Um and this leg is he's it's a big creature. So Kevin's what? like holding up the leg. The leg literally weighs like two hundred pounds. Yeah, it's like a lot. So Kevin's holding it and he really has to piss, right? And he's holding it up, and he's kind of like fucking fidgeting. He's like, oh "Man, I really don't want to do this. I don't because like, you know, he doesn't want to do it. Which whatever." So I'm like, "I'm not doing shit. I'm filming Desmond do the thing." So I was like, "I was like, Kevin, I'll take the leg, man. You know, take." Which the is the first time the whole trip Thomas had touched an animal. So I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I was just like, "Fuck it, like, give it to me. You're obviously like having a time. I'll take a break. You know, you did you did all right." Because they wrestled this thing into position. I mean, it's, I'm holding it up for like, and I almost got the tripod shooting stick, which I should have to hold it up. Yeah, it was. A, it was we're on the side of a mountain, so it's like ten or fifteen minutes. I'm holding it up. Like it was long enough to where my my elbow and shoulder were strained yeah, for like yeah, yeah. two days. I'm like, ah. So I went over there and I said, "Let me hold it," and he's like, "Oh, thank you." You know, and I'm holding it, and then like I'm holding it for maybe like five minutes. You know, whatever, and it's heavy. You know, I I fully agree. Oh, it yeah. sucked. 
Um, but then, uh, but then Desmond's like, <laughs> he's like, he has to get in there, and he needs somebody to hold like up with the, the buffalo. He needs somebody to hold open the stomach flaps, which are <laughs> fucking <laughs> the rib cage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, I mean, I've got to reach in the animal. Yeah. And I'm holding the leg, and there's only one guy left. <laughs> <laughs> which it, it was so funny because I would have preferred to do that because it wasn't as strenuous right. as holding the leg up. But it was but, gross. But if I was thinking. Man, that's good living, Thomas. Because it's literally, Thomas said he'd hold the leg. I was like, oh, thank God. I take a piss. As soon as I'm done pissing, Desmond's like, hold it, you know, it's yeah. ribs. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. And so I hold it open. You know, when I'm having to, like, reach inside and everything, and I was like, Thomas, that's good living. Because if Thomas had had to reach in, like, I think he would have done it, but he would have cried yeah. and yeah. freaked out. I wouldn't have like, I just thought it was so awesome that I, like, I offered to hold the legs <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. found out I didn't have to hold open the <laughs> stomach flaps. It was awesome. This is so gross. That was pretty good. But that's one, and I don't know if I sent it to you. If not, then I will. And you post it up, and unless you think YouTube will take it down, but um, the heart shot. So, I mean, it was like it was a good shot. We were close, and I got lucky, and it was right through the heart. And, you know, I mean, that's why I didn't go anywhere. That was really. a good shot. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you see the hole that 8-6 put through this thing's heart. Didn't have a chance. No. Did you put it through the shoulder, or was it right behind it? No, it was behind it. Yeah. yeah. It no, my my purpose. favorite is. I mean, it depends. You know, a big like a big animal like that. Yeah, it's different than shooting a whitetail right. through the shoulder. And so, letting its leg go forward, hitting the crease behind the shoulder is is, is the good spot. Yeah. Like if you can break the shoulder, that's yeah. great. But you might not reach the vitals, and those things can run on three legs. Right. Um. So if you break the shoulder on a big animal like that, you want to get the penetration to get to the lungs or yeah, the heart too. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard. Like a whitetail. There's you know any decent cartridge will break both the shoulders you're fine right. something with only two legs ain't gonna run yeah, but yeah. uh three legs <laughs> yeah yeah see none of that like having the animal get cut open or anything that didn't bother me like i said before but the one thing that did fuck with me we shot a fallow deer um and we went down and kevin oh that was so scary well yeah Okay, so fuck. There's a whole thing about this. <laughs> All right, so before, like, I was, okay, so we're down there. Oh, this was so great. But even the setup to the fallow. What about the setup to it? You want to start with that, or are you just getting out to the fallow? I have a point to make. Then right, we'll go, go ahead, back. Right, right. So, like, what did fuck with me is we shot a fallow deer, which was a whole day of just shenanigans. But when we got down there, Kevin um, didn't. You know, he wanted skull mounts. That's his. That's his thing. That's what he wanted out of all these things. He, I think he got a couple. Yeah, look how oh. good it looks. Yeah, they look great. So you uh, want you, you want the skull mounts. You got to see him lob. Them yeah, because I'm not building like a mansion over there. I'm right. building a lodge, and yeah. it's yeah. like I and kill cool. like a hundred animals. We got to. I want to put the yeah. skulls somewhere. And again, I don't see shit like this. And Only like one way to get that. And dressing the animals and whatever, like that's fine. Like it didn't fuck with me. But we're chilling down there, and they go. They say, "What do you want to do with it?" And Kevin goes, "I want the skull mount." And they go. All right. And this thing's got a big old rack. Fallow deer. Yeah, like big, old. Or like paddles, big old. Big yeah. old. Antlers. And it's it's nuts. Um, so. Only thing in Africa with antlers because they were imported. Hmm. So uh, they go, okay, cool. And then Desmond takes out Lou, Goodsman, Lou Goodman's knife. Shout out Lou Goodman. It's a nice knife. And decapitates this fucking thing right only, there. Only one way to get just the cuts the head off right there, just with a knife, not like a fucking guillotine, a knife. He's just hacking this thing's head off, and I'm, and I'm sitting there. Ain't hard with that, Lou Goodman. Knife. No, 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 Lou Goodman. It's a good knife. It's good for cutting heads off. Um, and I'm looking at that, and like, you know, I'm not queasy or anything. There's nothing like that, but I'm like, yep, he's uh, he's cutting the head off that thing. Yep. 
and it was gnarly. And I've never seen anything like that before. And uh first time for everything. Yeah. And like it's it's nothing to anybody except me. I'm sitting there just watching it. No, people say that. I mean, but it's I think it's like the Grand Canyon, same with decapitation. Till you see it in person, reserve judgment. Yeah. yeah. Um and then we gotta we gotta haul this body. I, I like, you know, that that's good when you got to go down the mountain if that's the way you want it because you only have to cape it out if you want yeah. a shoulder mount I or understand. whatever. I didn't want that, but if, some, if you cut the head off, somebody carries the antlers in the head. That's a lot of the weight. And, I'll, you know, the antlers on that thing were big and they were wide and they'll hang up on a lot of okay. stuff. So then we throw the body, you know, the headless body on the tarp, which they call a stretcher, and you drag it down the mountain. And it's just, it, it's lighter and much easier. Yeah. Dragging it down the mountain was a fucking feat, oh, too, man. Oh, jeez, because it was dark at this point. And I don't know if anybody, uh, you know, to our listeners and stuff in South Africa, especially where we we are. There's a lot of stuff that can kill you and eat you there. All of the, and also the most abundant tree there is acacia. Yeah. Oh. And acacia is a tree and a bush and grass. It should be, uh, it must translate to like ex-wife or something. Yeah, dude. It is not, it's basically you take any tree you want, whatever, and line the branches and stems with three inch toothpicks, like, <laughs> like actual like spikes yeah. and they're not floppy or anything. They the, are rigid. The trip before when I got back, like two weeks later, three weeks later, I pulled half of one out of my oh, shin. God, dude. And it's like, they yeah. will get you. And like, it's just everywhere. Like that's like the most abundant tree. And when you're yeah. like going through the, the bush, like you're getting just stabbed it, the whole time. I mean, you think at that point we had hunted all day. We come down the mountain like 500 yards to find it, and then we have to drag it like a quarter of a mile. Like, you're so exhausted. Yeah. Like, you aren't, you aren't going to take all the time to go around. And there was no way to go around a lot of it, so you just start going through stuff. Yeah. And you end up bleeding everywhere and pulling, like, these briars or spikes yeah. out of you. It, but, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not like... You don't have to be the toughest dude. You just get exhausted, and you're like, fuck it, I'll take some you briars. You just got to care the least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there was one night where Kevin cut <laughs> his head open, and he was bleeding all down his face. He didn't even know it. Like, he was, <laughs> well, because he took, he like, took out, like, running, sprinting. I've never seen him run so fast in my life. Turns out, a man can run. Oh, the warthog, yeah. The warthog, we were going after a warthog, um, and... Oh, that's another thing that bothered me besides the decapitation. Somebody opened up a warthog. Uh, it s- smells yeah. so gross. I thought, uh, dude, it, it was hard to hard to breathe. Hard it to live. It smells like sewer. Yeah. It was the worst smell ever. But like, yeah, my man took off for a, in a, like a, with a warthog through the woods at nighttime. It was dark, um, and he was full sprint like through. And I'm trying to like keep up with him. Couldn't. Turns out, Usain Bolt over here. <laughs> Turns out he can run. Who'd have thought? I mean, judging from his cardio. I'm a specimen. He is a specimen. I'm a, I'm a lion, man. I, I got that one to 200 meters. Yeah, you got that <laughs> You got that <laughs> mad dash, and then, you're, and then you're dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want it, you got to get after it. Yeah, the um, the fallow, though, that was great because we Rad wanted to take us to this vantage point, and we were going to look over, and you, it's on top of this mountain, and you go down, and there's this big rock, face cliff thing and unfortunately that's where baboons generally live and he wanted us to go there and just to see the view and for thomas to fly the drone and get footage of this you know it's like a hundred foot rock face yeah. and it 
it's on the edge of this mountain and it overlooks the mountain goes down the valley it's just incredible and hopefully you got do you have footage okay it's awesome so footage of that and and i've got a photo of from our position as well and the whole day when we're down in the valley like hunting and stuff we're looking up at it oh it's incredible looking so we go on top and you know it's like 100 feet tall but like 100 yards or so below it there's a field where in the evening oftentimes there will be some you know trophy animals and so we get to the top of the mountain and we're going to park and sneak over and we pull up there are baboons in this field and rad was so mad he didn't want to go down there because they just run and they climb over the rocks and generally they just tell everything right. that there's people there and all the animals fuck off you know and so rad's like so pissed about the baboons and um i'm like dude who cares let's just walk over there anyway and what you learn just like I knew at my farm over time, you don't ever go anywhere without a gun. Mm-hmm. You just don't. When you get out of the truck, you have a gun. A jackal could run up, a baboon, like anything. You just have a gun on you all the time when you're in South Africa. You get out of the truck and do it. We have to climb over a little barbed wire fence that has cattle fence on this part of the property. And we climb down, we get on the rock face, and we're looking around, and it is magnificent. You're a view, and there's the wind hitting us, and it's just look over this valley the sun is setting oh and we're just enjoying life and we're like holy fuck i can't believe you aren't going to bring us out here it's incredible of course there's like you said the baboons had run off all the animals that may have been down there if they were and we're just standing there enjoying life and all of a sudden he's like freaking fallow deer Mm -hmm. and thompson are like what are you talking about Five per, per usual yeah. because we <laughs> never saw anything yeah. <laughs> and he's like down there you see the butt and the, and the dip and they're right in there and it's you know so we we see them we range 550 yards and i love uh, so fallow deer generally they're white they are chocolate brown or they are like uh like a white tail like the tan color with yeah. spots on them i love the chocolate brown ones are so beautiful and that's what they were and we could see I could see three. It turns out there were five down there. Mm. And I forget what we had. Do we have to send Desmond back for the, not for the gun. I think I had the gun. We sent him no, back for you something. No, had, you had the 8.6. Oh, we sent him for the 6.5 because they were so far. Yeah. So we send Desmond, ask him to go back to the truck and grab the 6.5 because, you know, if it was 100, 200 yards shooting with the 8.6. Yeah, and so I do. And, and just to see if we can get set up on it in time and I'm comfortable with the shot. And we to can be shoot clear, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but to be, oh. to be clear, we didn't have proper dope at certain distances for the 8.6. That sounds good. Yeah, it's not that the yeah. 8.6 couldn't oh, get Oh, you there. just said 8.6. I thought you meant in general. I was like, that sounds conducive <laughs> to, to hunting. No, no. So I had dope on 8.6 to 400. Right, yeah. I was confident. And I had a 1 to 8 on the 8.6. Yeah. Well, this was 550 yards. So I had the little pulled... 3.6 to 18 Mark 5 on it. And I had dope out to whatever, six 700 yards. And so confident with that. But then it was just a matter of we were on this rock cliff. And if I could get set up on it in time for the light and I was comfortable and they didn't move because they were in a gap that was maybe 15 to 20 yards wide. When you're 550 yards away, it looks like it's an inch. Mm. And, you know, there were several um, uh, big males there. And we'd picked a couple out that were good. And one of them, he just played the game right, you know. And so I got set up on it. I felt good about the shot. And, man, it was awesome. I got the shot, too. So, I, like, this was, like, one of the first ones where I, like, 
really got the shot. I set up the tripod. I got it on target. And then Kevin one shot things down. I got him. I got the shooter. Um, it's just, it, it was perfect. And like just the scenery was amazing. Oh like, yeah. The view we're on just top of the world, man. But then we had to get down the mountain. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So that was great. So shout out to Horny. Thanks for that. Uh, 143 ELDX, uh, the 16 inch barrel, 550 yards, a giant fallow deer, bam, you know, so beast he's down one shot, uh, work great. And yeah, but then you got to go down the mountain and the sun is setting. So there is, there's some urgency Mm -hmm. and, uh, it had rained. So this piece of property that they have in the Cowie Conservancy, um, it's kind of like a a microclimate in this one valley. It's very lush and there's a tremendous population of bushbuck and kudu there Mm -hmm. and fallow deer. Um, which fallow were brought, I think, by like the the Danes or something. That, no, by the by the Dutch in um, like the 1700s over there, and now they're free range. Um, but they have some really big fallow. Do- anyway, so it's there. So it had rained for like a day or two over there, and we're on a mountain, and this is you know like a dirt road, but it's like I don't know some brown kind of sticky clay stuff. Yeah, all day, like especially that whole day in Cowie, we were dealing with mud all day yeah, and it's, it's like, like this sticky mud yeah it's not like your normal slick kind of mud. but not where it's like messy it's mm-hmm. kind of like a clay is yep. is the point and yeah. so we have to go down in a land cruiser now and the fast way to get to it is a very steep road down all the roads on the mountains whether we're in cali or on the pringle property were steep and like we're always a foot away from dropping off a cliff mm-hmm. oh always. yeah yeah there are no guardrails there and they cut a good road but it'll be if you mess up by a foot or two you're going down yeah yeah so we were going down this mountain and uh it's exactly that like thin trails maybe like there's maybe two feet of margin on each uh, each side of the the land cruiser and it is slick. So we start going down and we start to slide a little bit, but we're not on the cliff face yet. And all of a sudden, like, you know, things start to get things start to get real. And Kevin and I <laughs> Thomas are like, had a foot on the roof. Yeah, inside. like we're like bracing ourselves because we're like going around these like steep corners and he's sliding. Yeah. And like there's a part where we think and that I we're was on the side of the deal, you know, the left side you yeah. drive on the right there. So I was on the cliff and I'm behind Rad and I'm filming all this um, and we're going down. And we start to like really slide, but then we start to like get to the open cliff part of the mountain because like we were in the bush for a little while. But then we start to get on the side of this cliff where there are no trees or bushes to save you from. No. And all of a sudden, the idea of going off this cliff is very real to all of us. Um, well, no- it happened in stages. Desmond, the uh, so he's in the back on a high seat in the back of the truck. He's he's the professional. He's the tracker. He's the first to exit the vehicle. Yeah. And that's that's actually when he said, I have small children. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't fucking around. And then um, we start to we start to slide more. And the trick to doing this, though, is you have to kind of go faster right. and rather than go slower. Yeah. yeah. And you're sliding. You don't want to hit the brakes. No. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At a certain mental. point, we come to this curve, which is like it's not 90. It's like 135 degrees. It's like we have to go around this little mm-hmm. and i just, it's it's a 180 basically i said i'm getting out i'm getting out of this truck i'm not staying in this truck and rad you can see on his face that he's worried not only does he love his truck 
he also loves his life yeah um and he's actually like visibly like scared he's like a tough dude um super professional guy but he was scared Mm -hmm. and i got out the truck kevin saw me get out the truck he got out the truck yeah so it's like desmond gets out we go like 100 yards almost die in his turn thomas we felt like it red felt like he was in control i think and then we slide one more time like yeah i'm probably gonna get out too yeah so for we start walking behind the truck as it's going down and then it kind of starts to like you know it kind of starts like the mountain does like this yeah getting to like this area so he's like so rad tells us to get on the truck like we don't get in the truck we just are hanging off the back and i'm i'm filming the whole time like i have this all on tape um of kevin and i like on the very back like standing on like the back bumper going down this mountain as we're sliding and it's all fun and games for a little while like we're we're giggling laughing on the back of this truck he's drinking a beer i have one hand filming um but then there's a few frames of us like starting to slide again going like pretty (laughs) fast down this mountain like relatively fast um and i have a few frames of kevin like actually i'm gonna put it right here this is this is kevin his face when we start to slide what is it i've never seen any well you'll see it you'll see it right here um and it's like actual terror like like we got on the back so that we could easily jump off it is a real situation that we're in we're not like we're not like it's not fun and games we're not like we're laughing but we're like at any point in time this truck is going to go off this really steep cliff Mm -hmm. and uh it was so sketchy um and when we we finally get down to the um to the bottom rad jumps out the truck he says something uh and he's like over it he's like oh my fucking god and then of course kevin's making jokes about like you know yeah yeah. you know you're such a pussy whatever (laughs) and uh but yeah it was so scary it was like a real situation that we but it's part of the adventure that's right it was fun it was definitely fun we made it fun Uh, a lot of the a lot of the things that happened to us like that were less than ideal we made it fun (laughs) 